Allie, just put the sunglasses on. No. Come on. No. Ow! (laughs) I'm supposed to hit you to get her to put on. Deserved. Welcome to A Match Made in Space. I'm Allie Goodman. And I'm John Walter. And we are a married couple showing each other the 80s movies of our childhood. And this is uh, a movie that John showed me called They Live. That's right. It's They Live from 1988, directed by John Carpenter, written by Frank Armitage, which is just John Carpenter under a pseudonym. And uh, Wait, 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 what? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, uh, because... The, basically, because uh, the movie came from like multiple sources, uh, they, was I thought there, it came from a short story. There, it's more than just a short story. There's oh. actually there's a couple of uh, basically. Well, please trivia me because I didn't know all this. Okay, so let me see here. Essentially, the movie originally the, the, the movie was originally based on there was a short story from the early '60s by Ray Nelson called Eight O'clock in the Morning. Yes, that I saw them that which, flash up. Which is basically it's thematically similar in that it is about like it's basically a guy goes to a hypnotist show gets hypnotized and when he comes out realizes that everyone's been hypnotized and he has until eight o'clock in the morning to stop this thing from going on Hmm. then uh this story was adapted into a comic book in the 80s i think by the original author um and uh if i'm not mistaken with artist bill ray who's uh you know a a lot of people would know uh he did a lot of the background art for ren and stimpy um like it was, it was released in a comics anthology, um, okay. and like, and and John Carpenter, uh, like I think that's where he saw that story originally. It was in the comic, but, but he took elements from the <clears throat> the short story, took elements from the comic, took elements from his own ideas, and mixed them all together. And it was it was such a mishmash of things that he decided to like kind of write it under a pseudonym because okay. he didn't really write the whole thing himself and he didn't feel I guess he I guess his idea was he didn't feel like he didn't re- deserve like a full screenwriting credit under his own name for that since he took from so many sources. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. Let me just have a moment here. If you write under a pseudonym, you still have to put like Well, he did put but he put based on Nelson wrote both no, the I stories, yeah. Yes, I understand that, but but you st- you still have to like you have to sign where your checks are going to go and those checks are still going Oh no, he's still getting the checks. Well, then the, like you can still say I wrote the screenplay, John Carpenter. Right. I however, think... however, it's adapted from or based on you know the writings of X Y Z X Y Z. You know he he still does that because it flashes up. I don't understand the point of a pseudonym. That's like the yeah. that's... well, it's also an, it's an allusion by the way to H P Lovecraft. Uh, it's a, it's it, by like, saying the Armitage is one of the names of the characters from one of because he was a Lovecraft fan. Uh, and okay. Lovecraft also, like a lot of his themes, is there's like these powerful forces that the human beings don't understand that are hidden, you know, under the surface. So it's kind of like it, it's kind of a, since he had like this mishmash of of sources and ideas, he decided to do it under a pseudonym. I think I would have much more preferred the answer be he didn't want it to seem as though he was so egotistical that he's like oh, I, I think wrote he's, and directed I think my own he's, movie. I think he's put his own name under things enough times. I know that's what I mean. Like I just seems I mean, weird. he literally like he called like the movie Ghosts of Mars is actually called John Carpenter's Ghosts of Mars. So I don't think it's a matter of like I don't think he has a matter. It's I don't think it's a uh, I don't think it's a matter of like oh I don't it's want a, to seem egotistical. It's a John Carpenter's joint. Yeah. <laughs> you don't know about his joints. It could be <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I was going to make a double jointed joke, but I got nothing. Okay, so anyway, yeah. This, so this movie basically is uh, it's from uh, late 1988. It's it's uh, it's the tail end of the 80s, and um, well, let's go ahead and get into. Do an elevator the pitch? elevator pitch, and I think I think we know who, who we have to start with. You think I should go first? Oh yeah. Definitely. Okay. Um, all right. Here's the deal. There's this movie. Don't make it. Wow. <laughs> That's neither funny nor enlightening. <laughs> Just mean. I'm sorry. It's Cobra all over again. <laughs> it is okay. I will say this with Cobra. <clears throat> I think you would have to go back in time and like erase the memories of people who had the idea to ever make that movie. Um, That's how bad that is. So this one's just like, just look, the world is going on, just don't make this movie. See, whereas... I'm angry about this movie. I will get into why I'm angry about this movie. Okay. And it is not it is not Cobra angry. It's different angry. Okay. I'm angry, though. I'm delighted by this movie, and you will... See, Allie came here to, to kick ass about this movie and chew bubblegum and... Uh. Oh, please. No, no, <laughs> nope. So I guess we'll get to all right, you my elevator, elevator pitch, yes, please. which is... I remember V. No. I mean, I remember that it existed. I never saw it. You're an executive. You remember V. Sure, I remember V. <laughs> Come on, man. Play the part. Remember V? Yeah. It's like that, but like... We have Rowdy Roddy Piper in it, and um, also um, it's going to be incredibly prescient for uh, now, <laughs> even though it's a here in the future. Which I, I've messed up this pitch, haven't I? I oh I, my god, I'm, I'm poorly. Get... I'm like John Carpenter. I've, I had a good idea and I executed it poorly. I'll be, I'll be getting, yeah, I'll be getting off. I'll be getting off at this floor. Thank you very much. Okay, let's let's just. <laughs> no, dive you get you can't take the elevator to the roof because they've blocked it. Let's okay. Um, let's dive in and swim in this. Yeah. hellhole that is okay so uh yeah this so this movie uh basically this is john carpenter's like getting into some social commentary about the 80s and it's again it, i i say it's weirdly prescient because i feel i feel like a lot of the themes of this movie could easily still be being made today if not worse and i think it's because in a lot of ways the seeds of today's current climate were sown uh by the reagan 80s yes and, i agree um, with that you know, and this this movie is definitely like John Carpenter's. Like the original story is apparently more like an invasion of the body snatchers thing. Mm. It doesn't really have like the consumerism critique in it, or the way like you know the idea that we are being like held under by you know like an outside force that has basically taken over humanity and forced us to consume and be as like basically the explanation that like everything about the '80s that we like thought was great was is you know designed to crush us and keep us slaves um, I'm gonna say for eternity. I'm going to say that the first half hour of this movie could have been told in five minutes. And I think that is annoying because oh, it takes a really long oh, it, time it, it, to it, it, get it really to the does. Point. It, the point of the movie, the middle of the movie, has some cool shit that in, and is why I'm angry because the cool shit could have been so much cooler in a different movie with a different director. Even I give John Carpenter the director's thing on this but could have been a much cooler movie but is done so shishittily oh you see it's shishit alright look I get it it does begin really slow it, it's it, the it, slow it, it's like watching Mano's Hands of Fate no it's, it's not oh, oh my god it's so slow alright first of all like look I but I kind of love the, the I kind of love that it, ta it it takes its time getting to because like it starts off as like very much like it feels like almost like a like a social commentary. And by the way, it, there's a this movie feels 
like in a very weird way like it feels kind of like an Alex Cox movie and, and maybe because Cy Richardson's also in it but it does it, it it has that same feel as like it feels like it it's it could exist in the same universe as Repo Man. I agree with that. Like it, it's got this same it's the same like LA like the seedy side of LA you know feel but it begins like I I. I it begins very slowly. I will admit. It begins. It begins first of all with the haunting John Carpenter's hobo vamp. Like that runs for like the first five minutes of the movie. Oh my god! Um, and 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 that's when we meet a mullet hobo who show, who's showing up in L.A. And and I I will say this: the like John Carpenter has not missed a step in hiring like professional grade mullets since uh, since Big Trouble in Little China. I mean, welcome to the big screen, Roddy the Roddy Piper. Rowdy Roddy, Roddy the Roddy. No, no, Rob Roddy. You're thinking of Rob Roddy from Price is Right. No, I'm. No, I know. Come on now. Listen, listen to me. I just need you to understand this. I spent much of my childhood the four-year younger sibling of a boy who was obsessed with the WWF. I knew every name, every wrestler. I had to go to every goddamn match. Do you know what Ricky Steamboat's real name is? I don't, actually. What is it? Um, I, I hope I'm right. But Ricky believe... the Gervais Steamboat? No, I'm just kidding. No, Ricky Steamboat's <laughs> real name, is, if I am not mistaken, is Richard Blood. <laughs> Actually, awesome. Yeah, Ricky Steamboat's the best. Um, I, I'm yes, you. Richard Henry Blood Senior is. Oh his my full god, name. that's a great um, name. Why would you? That's like the guy who. What's uh, Daryl Dragon yes, of the Captain yes, Tennille. Yes. I blame Mike Love for that. <laughs> only my only me? Mike Love could take a man named Daryl Dragon and give him a stage name, the Captain. Why would you do that? Um, anyway, so uh, yes, yes. And by the way, Daryl Dragon would be a great name for a wrestler. I mean, we had the Roddy Pipe, the Rowdy Roddy oh, Piper. Ah. Figure where where he had the kilt and the kilt came off and the kilt came on and I I mean you could dress your damn WWF guy I had this they, they, they were not dolls they were action they were action figures, figures. sorry <laughs> yeah, by the way while, while we were watching the toys that made us and yeah. I kind of I never really thought about the fact that like I know that GI Joe was where the term action figure came from yeah. but I never really thought about the fact that the, the, the original 60s GI Joe actually had clothes that you could change oh yeah like a Barbie right on which is kind of amazing because I grew up with the you know, molded plastic. This is how the, the they, this is how they dress all the time. Right. You know, right. they have a grenade attached to their chest at all times. Right. They're hanging out in the bathtub. They're in a full outfit. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I grew up with that GI Joe. So like, but um, but yeah, like going back to like Roddy Piper. I will say this. Two things about this movie. Oh please. One, it is not the worst Roddy Roddy Piper movie. Oh, we'll be wa- we will be watching on this no, podcast. No. There is another one that. Um, it will be coming up um, hopefully soon. I haven't decided. Um, it's not, and, and I will say this: Rowdy Roddy Piper, rival to Hulk Hogan, always. Yes. Um, I think I think Piper's in a better quality of movie than than the Hogan movie. Oh my god! Yes. Because you, you know, you know, you know, you know, and everyone. I, I I'm not I'm not going to dick around with this. You know, we're going to do No Holds Barred eventually. Oh god. You know it's going to happen. It's the only Hogan movie from the eighties. But I. No Holds Barred does have Tiny Lister though. I feel like you do it as a torture thing. Um, like, what did I do to you? You showed me girls just want to have fun. It's one movie. One movie that hurts so it much. It doesn't even hurt that bad. <laughs> oh, it hurt It hurt worse than you realize. Uh, I do this to you because these movies are great fun and you <laughs> you need joy in your life. I don't know that this is joyful for me. I don't know if you hear the right, rage I and anger. Jo- I need joy in my <laughs> do life. Do you hear the rage and anger? All right, so Roddy the Piper is traveling to L.A. looking for... Rowdy for- Roddy Piper... <laughs> I'm I'm gonna call him what I call You're him. You're not gonna call him Rob Roddy. 
I didn't call him Rod Roddy. I said Roddy the Piper. That's what I said. Is he is he is traveling to L.A. The late Rowdy Roddy Piper, Roderick George Toombs is traveling to L.A. <laughs> and he's looking for work. And we hear, find out later that he's come from Denver. At least that's what he tells the unemployment office. Um, but on his I don't way, think he's, I don't think he's lying. Well, I'm just saying we don't know. We don't. We, I don't know if he's a really like you know definitive. Uh, what is it? Um, uh, trustworthy narrator. Uh, we think he is. I, so anyway, I think he's trustworthy in a way that Jack Burton is not. So we get to, uh, as he's walking, you know, this very long hobo walk with his big pack on oh, his yeah, back. Oh, yeah, he's got his pack. He's, he's going to, and, he, and he's on his way. He stopped, he passes by um, this street preacher, which at the time I didn't pick up that he was blind, but we find out later that yeah, he was. Yeah, I, I, I actually forgot he was blind. Yeah, you can't tell in this particular I, moment. I have not seen this movie in almost, like, I would say over 25 years, since right. like maybe the early 90s was the last time I saw this movie. Um, I was already... Um, Ill, already annoyed with this movie because it took 10 minutes for him to get into L.A. and took 10 minutes to get to this damn preacher. I still didn't know where we were going. We were just listening to a music. Oh, you were looking for the, the breakneck pacing of a Savannah Smiles? Uh, something. So we get there uh, and uh, he sees the street pe- preacher and here's the thing that I didn't believe at first, which I guess now later makes more sense mm-hmm. a little bit. It, but at the time, I w- th- this is what I wrote. Yeah, like anyone would be standing to watch him because he's literally a street preacher and there's like a group of people like watching the street preacher and listening to him and nodding and like agreeing. And I was thinking that was so, there's not, it, have you been to Chicago? Have you seen the well, crazy you know, priest well, here's guy? The, here's the difference. The crazy priest guys in Chicago were talking about Jesus. Yeah. This guy was talking insane conspiracy theories. This guy mm-hmm. was awesome. We have the insane conspiracy. By, by the way, that, uh, that conspiracy theory guy that, in front of the Daily Center. Uh, yeah. By the way, that um, that the street preacher was an actor named Raymond St. Jacques. By yeah. the way, and he was um, I can't remember what show. Let me let me double check real quick. But he was actually, believe it or not, he had a regular like role. You know, in the in the '60s, um, in um, I think um, it was what was the show? Um, Rawhide. Oh. He had a regular role on Rawhide as cool. Simon Blake, and he um, he's also he's been he's been in a, he was in a bunch of like like he was in Black Like Me, which you know I believe uh, like that's the movie version I guess of that book about the guy, the white guy who gets like ton like supposedly as a white journalist got a whole bunch of like like got himself altered to look black and went into the South. It was a fairly so well known book at the time. So wait, wait, is that what Soul Man is based? It's sort of a non-comedic oh version of Soul Man. It was a, a white journalist, supposedly, like, he went and got himself a whole bunch of tans until he had, like, darker skin. Oh, my God. And he got, like, put, like, a wig on that made his hair look black, and he went into the South to see how, see how, what it would be like to be, uh, it was parodied, I think, by Eddie Murphy in the 80s when, you know, when that thing where Eddie Murphy dressed up as a white man and yeah. went out and, like, uh, you know, you know, like, like. But, okay. okay. Yeah, it's, I, it's one of those things that's, like, really, actual mean, black activists kind of looked at that like, is this, this is tourism? But, yeah, it was a thing. It was a hit. Well, it, was a, it was a best-selling book. It feels uncomfortable just thinking about it, considering all the... Yeah. Oh, okay. That politically just, yeah. like, gutted me. And, by me. the way, and, and he also, uh, uh, he was also in a bunch of black exploitation movies, uh, like, yes. specifically... Um, the ones that the ones that I can think of is uh, Cotton Comes to Harlem and Come Back Charleston Blue, um, which are God. I love the names of black exploitation. Oh, they're movies. the best. So, <laughs> um, so, so he. So again, and I think later, if I think back on on it, it actually makes sense that there's a group there. But as a as a not knowing where this movie was going and not having seen it or know anything about it, I literally knew nothing except that. Ra- Rowdy Roddy Piper was in the movie because he kept talking about it. That's all I knew about this movie. Um, by the way, by the way, I want to point out. I don't think I made it clear in the '80s. 
like most people I knew were Hogan fans. Hogan was the face. He was the baby yeah. face. Everyone loved Hogan. I could not stand Hulk Hogan. No, we, we and, were... I, and I wonder and I wonder if it's because Hulk Hogan I think my very first exposure to Hulk Hogan was when he was the wrestler that Rocky fought in Rocky Three. Yeah. But for some reason I never really liked Hulk Hogan very much. So I was always sympathetic with Rowdy Roddy Piper. So was my brother. I kinda like that I kinda love the heels. Yeah, he was I, a fan like I was, a, I was a heel fan. Yeah. I like I was always about when when Jesse the Body Ventura was like, oh come on, that was a clean hit. What are yeah. you talking about? We love Jesse the Body Ventura in our house. Yeah. So anyway, so <coughs> so uh, he so he goes past the street preacher. And he kind of stops and listens for a minute. Fine, whatever. We, get, we hear a little bit about this like conspiracy theory that makes no sense because again, we don't know what's going on in the movie yet. Um, and then he gets to unemployment. They're like, we don't have any work for you. You know, and he passes by this construction site mm-hmm. um, and, you know, still in the montage drifter music, hobo music in the back. And he says to the, I think he thinks it's the foreman. And he says to the guy, you know, do you have any work? I have my own tools. And he's like, this is a union job. Yeah, can, I t- can I talk to the shop for the shop steward? Yeah. And then obviously he, uh, he got in. He gets in. I guess somehow. he joined the union. <laughs> yeah. And so he, he, he starts working on this job and um, we find out. This that- scene's for the ladies. Yeah, he takes actually. Yeah, I will say this: we learn from this that Rowdy Roddy Piper does not really know how to use a shovel. Oh my god, he's so bad at it. <laughs> like it's like it's kind of funny how like awkward he or like a, I'm not even sure what I don't even know if it was a shovel, but it was like the way he was like moving the tools yeah. looked really awkward. Yeah, like, like it did not like. I was and like, I think the idea was that he really knows what he's doing, but he looked like he knew nothing about what yeah, he was I, doing. I, he's presented like like I think he's like a competent working man who yeah. just needs a needs a chance. Yeah, and and at this point you, he meets. Uh, oh, you never said he took off his shirt which is why oh, that, oh yeah the scene for the ladies yeah yeah he took off his, he, he, t- he takes off his shirt a couple of, I mean which is not surprising because I mean he's a pro wrestler he does most of his work shirtless yeah. so, like, you know like that's what that's no a big that, deal to him but um, you know um, but uh but across the way in the on the construction site is this guy Frank we don't know his name yet. and, and he's played by Keith David yeah who, Keith David returning to John Carpenter after his uh you know breakout role in the thing um is uh you know I I it, from what I gathered this role was more or less written exactly for Keith David um, you know, it's so, just funny to see Keith David in the eighties. Cause I still, I picture him as older Keith David in my head. Right. So it's, it's, it's weird to see young Keith David. Yeah. Like I, I, like, I don't know why, but Keith David in my head is now like always like, it like seems like he's perpetually in his fifties. I feel like he's in something right now. Like he's on like, I'm sure something on the own network. Like, like I'm green, sure like, he is. like, uh, like Queen Sugar or if loving you is one of those shows. <laughs> That's no, awful. He's, he's doing more than that. He's in. Like, I don't know what the heck he's on, but I keep seeing his face. Well, according to Wikipedia, my yeah. God, he's got a, he's got a well, he's at a huge. He's a, oh my God, he was he was in, in the TV series of Superior Donuts. <clears throat> was he really? Yes, he played John in an episode of Homeless for the Holidays. Holy crap! Um, he um, he's the voice of a lion musician in BoJack Horseman. Ooh. Uh, he's in a lot of he's in a lot of stuff. Uh, this is Keith David. He does yeah, voice acting all the time. He's very yeah. Like he's in everything. Um, anyway, you know, so but so he, he he's the only one in this over, movie cast that still does a lot of work. He over, everyone else is either dead or not doing. He anymore. overhears the the foreman dude come up to uh, Piper and say, you know, hey, you know, don't um, you can't sleep on the job. So you you can't sleep on the construction site. So you better find somewhere else to you know hang your hat tonight because like he knows he's hum- homeless. I mean, he come he just came in with everything. And he drifted in right. So he's like he's like uh, so he tells him. You know, you can come with me to my camp. There's an area you can have food and you can have water. Or you can have a shower and, you know, you might as well just follow me where I stay. So they show up. And again, this is me living in Chicago going, 
oh my god, like what do they have to do in the winter time? Oh yeah, it's L.A. They there don't have no to. Winter. There was no winter time. There was no winter time. <laughs> I was like, oh my god, let, I want to go to there. It goes down to sixty, and they get they get they, they freeze to death. And they fr- and they, right, they, you know? it's like ridiculous. They, they, they freeze to death like Michael J. Pollard and like, Scrooge. They're all outside. It's like crazy. So, um, but, um, yeah. So they they go they end up at this camp that's yeah, yeah, across the street from they go, a they, Basically, I will say this: it's essentially uh, it's essentially a, a modernized version of the Hobo Jungle from Natty Gan. Yes, we're, it is. I was thinking that actually. Yes, it's funny you say that. They all. By the way. My whole my whole goal with this podcast is to have a grand unified eighties theory. Yes, uh, I was hoping like maybe there's like this is the eighties, right? I'm yes. thinking uh, Natty Game is fifty years earlier. Theoretically, elderly <laughs> elderly John Cusack could have been there. Very true. Still a hobo. Still a hobo. <laughs> you know he, that 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 honest work he found in San Francisco fell through, and he went back to riding the rails. I mean, I don't blame. So yeah, this is like basically yeah, it's like it's essentially like a Hooverville. Yeah. Um, it's it's got like you know it's got like all these different uh, you know. And there's like a, shacks made of like metal and like tents and things like that, and it's across from this church. And you see like the people from the church are bringing food over for right. them. It looks like pretty good meals. Like uh, Piper's got a big old plate full of like appears to be a fairly balanced meal. It's got yeah. greens, greens and potatoes. And, yeah, it's pretty amazing. It looks like chicken. They tell me oh, like, I actually was very hungry looking at that. <laughs> <laughs> they said you can wash up over there. Like there's a shower. Like it was. And he's like he's like do you. He's like, he's like, it looks like you you come from the construction site. Do you have your own tools? Can you help us fix the shower? And he's like, yeah. So you know, he feels like he's. He's not just like freeloading right. on this camp. Right. He's actually and, helping and like that. And you know, he and, he and Keith David they have this whole discussion where Keith David is talking about like Keith David is, is, is has a family back in Detroit. He's apparently following work around. He right. hasn't seen them in six months. He's obviously like like he's 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 not he's not a hobo in the sense of like he's more of a drifter looking for work right. kind of thing. Which he's is a, a, he's a Saul he's a Saul Gan. Yeah, exactly. He's he's been he's going he's going he's gonna he's gonna send them the money or whatever yeah. what, like as soon as he can get it. And now bear in mind. Nowadays, family back in Detroit. Why did he abandon them to that hell? Oh my god, that hell! No. no, but it's like even in the '80s, we forget because Detroit has been Detroit's been a punchline for so long for like urban hell that we kind of forget it was kind of bad in the '80s too, it but wasn't, not you know, not nearly. And I feel bad because I know people who live in Detroit, and I know like like Detroit. I feel bad. Wow, you're a monster. I've been to Detroit. No, I'm just saying I feel bad because like Detroit is really it, it does it's crumbling. It, it's it really, crumbling. It and is Detroit in the by the way, Detroit up up through like the sixties, Detroit was a place where like it's a it's a perfect symbol for this because Detroit was a place that up until basically through to the seventies even like Detroit was a place where a working class American could make a really good living. Well, because, because of the, the car industry. industry, yeah, because the car like, industry. Like uh, the one of the reasons there's a ton of really great music coming out of Detroit in the 60s, both in the soul and R&B area and yeah. in, like, the white rock and roll area. I mean, like, in, in the 60s, you had you had all of freaking Motown. You had uh, bands like the Stooges and the MP- MC5 coming out of Ann Arbor, which is essentially, like, the, 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 the suburban, like, the, the suburbs of Detroit, like, just out of range. But the way, the, the reason you could have all these bands in this area coming up and, you know, later on, things like Ted Nugent and Bob Seger coming out of it is these are people who could grow up from these working class families that had enough money to get their kids guitars yeah. and instruments and like they had the because garages of, for these kids because to of the practice industry, it. right like like that is one no, of the agree. main reasons that like the that the Detroit was like it was kind of like a symbolic of the American dream for a while like you could actually like you could just you didn't have to be like a college educated management type to make a good living for your family right. but by the 80s and this is and you got to remember John Carpenter is so strongly making a political statement in this movie. Oh, this yeah. movie is like if anything this movie suffers by being overly like message centered. Not for me, but I can see like others. 
I, uh, that part didn't bother me okay. at all. Oh, I know. Movie. I know what bothered you. We'll, we'll get into that. But like, but one of the things is one of the things about this movie is like Detroit is is a perfect symbol of how like greed and Reagan era capitalism has like gutted these working families. So Detroit is a perfect place for him to be from. Right. It it, it makes sense. So anyway, and he's talking like basically about how like the the world is a like the world's a foot race. Everyone starts on the finish line. It's like you have to get yours as fast as you can. And oh, by the way, everyone else is out to get you. Right. You and know? then and, Rod, and he wonders how long it's been like this. And Piper basically says, um, which by the way, his, I find out later, and I didn't know this throughout the entire movie, but when the credits rolled, his name is Nada. Yeah. He's generally considered to be named John Nada. But uh-huh. the John, I don't know, like, I don't know if the John came from uh, from the story or whatever, because I, I, I've always no, seen but, it mentioned online as John Nada. Yeah, but nobody ever calls him anything. Nobody calls him anything. He's a nameless character. I mean, he's, like like the, he's, like the, he's like Clint Eastwood in the Sergio Leone yeah. movies. So, so anyway, uh, Although technically so I'll, he I'll continue him. to call him Piper. Just so you yeah. all know, um, so Piper basically says, "But I believe in America, and I believe that hard work gets yeah. you somewhere." Yeah, he, he actually is he like, has he's got this, the, like, like he's his got capitalistic this, dream. Yeah, but it, I mean, and it's not even—it's—it's it's not. I wouldn't say it's even a capitalistic dream. It's the old American dream. It yeah. was the "you work hard enough, you'll get that house." You know, it's not. It's not. It's, it's not what they pipe out to all of the people. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But but like but he's like he, you know, you know, and I, I I mean I I don't I don't think it's even like remotely out of the realm of possibility that part of the reason that Keith David's character is presented at the beginning as being a little more radical than uh, than Piper is because he's black. And oh, sure. black America has not been given that same... Well, if he's been in like, Detroit in the 80s, dealing with the, the decline yeah, watching, of the... Watching, watching everything, everything fall, fall apart, yeah. and he's had to leave to go get work for his family who he had to leave behind, hell yeah, yeah he'd yeah, be a little more radical yeah, and like, have a little yeah, bit more Yeah, whereas, whereas, Pi- whereas Piper's character, Nada has no, like, he has no connections... He just seems frustrated that he lost his job and they got laid off. He's just looking for work. He's, he's just not, looking for work. You know, he's not. He doesn't have like like. But, but not, he doesn't. Have, he doesn't have the attachments. He correct. doesn't have the family. He doesn't have. He do, right. His only responsibility is to himself. So it just is like, oh well, that sucks for me. Mm-hmm. But he right. doesn't have to think about the fact. Well, I'm not going to have food on the table for my kids. It's mm-hmm. like he could eat a can of beans and be just fine. But like you have children at home. Right. Exactly. Story. Right. Exactly. And. So, so anyway, so, so while uh, we're on the construction and site, while, and while, no, 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 oh, we, we move past the construction site. No, we have not because we have to talk about the cutting in of the cable. That's not at the construction yes, site. That's it in is. the hobo jungle. Well, that's what I meant. Oh, I'm sorry. I meant the hobo. <laughs> yeah, jungle. that's why I was. I'm like, sorry. I'm sorry. I meant the hobo jungle. Yeah, so, in the hobo yeah, jungle. like and, and one of the things they've got is they've got the, these families are these families, and you get a little sense of them. You don't get a ton, yeah. but I, I think the movie does a pretty good job of creating this community. Where everyone does know each other, you see the same people yeah, sitting around over, doing right, things. Exactly. And one of the people you see is a guy who's known only in those credits as the Drifter. Uh, he's which, played by which I thought he looked like when he was sitting there in the yeah, chair. Yeah, he doesn't look a thing like him normally. No, but, but in yeah. this particular scene and for this particular moment, when and he didn't sound like him either, but he mm-hmm. looks like Jack Nance. Yeah, but yeah, this is this is uh, George Buck Flower, mm-hmm. and George Buck Flower is like hardcore that guy. Yeah. Like he's been, and he's at that guy who's got a range yeah. of like, like he's been, like he's one of those guys who's been in some serious garbage. And I'm talking <laughs> some softcore porn level. Wow. Garbage. That's awesome. But he's also been in like B movies and like levels of, and movies like this, which is kind of a B movie, but yeah. still like this, you got to remember this movie came out after Big Trouble in Little China. This is John Carpenter's not working through mainstream Hollywood very much. He's still getting distributed, dis- yeah. distributed is the word I was trying to say. <laughs> distributed. Distributed. <laughs> 
But he's got, but like he, this is Carpenter already getting. He's he's he was disappointed by the way uh, Big Trouble was received. Mm. He, you know, he he's obviously like disillusioned with capitalism. But it's still a fairly big release movie. You know, I will say that going forward, because this character will continue to like repop up, I will refer to him as not Jack Nance. Okay, even though he doesn't look like, you know, he's very much not Jack Nance for multiple reasons. Let me tell you the reasons he's not. Jack But he's not, and so it works. Can I give you the reasons he's not? You may. You may give it to me. One. He's been in a lot more movies than Jack Nance has ever been in. Jack Nance was in several movies. Two, I love Jack Nance. Don't get me wrong. I do love Jack Nance. And his his last few uh, years were kind of tragic and mm-hmm. not like like it's de- depressing. Um, Jack Nance has been in some amazing work. Jack Nance is also not a very good actor. Right. This I guy's am. a perfectly competent actor. But but can I can I can I can I make one I love Jack Nance. Can Don't I make get me wrong. One statement for otherwise why I think it's appropriate mm-hmm. to Call him not Jack Nance. I just want to make my, my... By the way, Jack Nance, if anyone doesn't know, uh, he was in Eraserhead as the main character, and he's, uh, what's his name from Twin Peaks, uh, Piper Laurie's husband, yeah. um, well, and who finds Laura Palmer in you're the, making, in the you're, make, you're, start, you're starting to make my case, which is this movie has a Piper. That show had a Piper. <laughs> so I feel... Wait, wait, like, wait, wait. Are you, are you saying there's an extended Piperverse? There's a Piperverse. And therefore... This movie is part of the Piperverse? Therefore... Not Jack Nance is the appropriate name for this guy. By the way, I am not convinced. I am not convinced. And, and until we watch it, I'm not going to do the research. But I am not convinced that, that George Buckflower is is not going to be reunited with Rowdy Roddy Piper when we finally watch Hell Comes to Frogtown. Oh my God, that would be amazing. <laughs> By the way, when, everybody pressure Allie for when we finally uh, pull the trigger on our USA Up All Night. Oh God. Uh, like I, I tend to think of these as, as falling into segments of like every five episodes, and I really am trying to get Allie, push Allie to do like to try and find nothing but USA Up All Night movies for like uh, for one of our legs. Uh, I have two that come to mind, one of which is definitely Hell Comes to Frogtown, which is terrible. And you're gonna hate. I guarantee you. You actually, you're either gonna hate Hell Comes to Frogtown with an unholy passion. Uh-huh. Or because it has no redeeming social qualities like this one does, you're not going to be as angry at it. Okay, well, because we'll I think a lot of your anger at this is the fact that there's something good that's in it. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas like, I don't. I think Hell Comes to Frogtown is an irredeemable mess. So, um, so, so not Jack Nance and a, a couple other people are sitting in these like comfy chairs. If you're yeah, comfy like, outside yeah, they've, chairs. They've, yeah, these, yeah, these they're, people. Like, set up like almost the, like a, a and they're den watching area. TV. They're watching TV. And in the they're, midst they're, of they're the, watching cable channel 54. Yeah, and in the midst of watching. Wait, wait, wait! This, I just realized something. That fucking cable. I know, They're right? in a field in the middle yeah. of nowhere. They have cable. Yeah. I couldn't. I didn't even. I couldn't even get cable in the mid '90s in the middle of downtown Charleston on my side of the block I mean, because they hadn't wired it yet. I mean, they're obviously pulling it from somewhere. So I know, but I'm just kind of impressed because they're, they're in the middle. Of, they're in a field. Yeah. They're not like they're. They're literally in a fucking abandoned lot. They're not. They're so not the, the, so the while the they're watching the television. All of a sudden, uh, cutting in and out is this. It's Max Head, a guy dressed like Max Headroom. No, he's not. Oh my God, you, you're missing my joke. Oh, don't you remember WGN in the '80s? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, yeah, the famous. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I love that they're like ah oh, hackers. This is back in the day whenever a hacker could also mean it didn't just mean a computer guy at this point because this is the '80s. A yeah. lot of people didn't have computer. Like you had your war game scenarios, but most right. people didn't have computers, and like and most computers weren't on the internet because the right. internet. The internet wasn't really a thing. Modems right. really just went computer to computer. There wasn't really a network right. for them to get into, um, per se. But hackers also meant people who could break into the signal of a TV station right. and pirate 
broadcast, and this guy is cutting in. He's cutting in, and he's, he's basically... He's a bearded guy. I would call him... God, this is so, like, could be in the re- in, in the Repo-verse. Yes, it could. The Piper-verse and the Repo... I mean, Wait a minute. Does that mean... Does that mean Twin Peaks and... and, and yes, of course it and, does. Yes, of course it and does. And Repo Man, by transitive property, are, are the same Are part universe. of the same universe, yes. And, and we already know they're part well, of the Northern Exposure-verse. We already know that What's-His-Bucket is in both the Twin Peaks-verse and the Repo Man-verse. Um, uh, Harry Dean Stanton. Harry Dean Stanton. Oh, my God. Are we saying... Are we saying Bud? Bud is, started his career over there. And then Bud and then, and then Bud he, became a sensitive. Yes. <laughs> he became a log lady swimming. and moved. He became a yeah. log lady. Yes. By the way, that was my favorite part. Sorry, spoilers. My favorite yeah. part of, uh, of of Twin Peaks, the rebirth, was Harry Dean Stanton be, clearly be, be, being a log lady. Yeah. Um, and also Harry Dean Stanton clearly being the greatest actor we will ever know. Oh God, I love Harry Dean Oh, my God. I'm, I'm getting misty thinking about Harry Dean Stanton. He's amazing. Anyway, um, um, anyways, this so world did not deserve Harry Dean Stanton. Uh, and, and, you know, one of the problems with this movie is it does not have a Harry, Harry Dean, Dean. No, A, I was, well, specifically, it does not have a Harry Dean Stanton-level le- performance. Agreed. In it, like, Agreed. like Repo Man does. Now, it has Keith David, and Keith David does a fine job, but this isn't, it's fine. He, But he's also, Keith David's not, doesn't have a character, like, uh, he, he's not a, this movie does suffer. I'm going to go ahead and say it now. I'm going to admit, like, this movie is not perfect. <laughs> this is a cult movie for a reason. This this movie is so far from perfect. Like, no, this is a cult movie for a reason. Things into other things. You know what? This movie. To make them this movie is, the, the main reason this movie is a better movie than Cobra is because its heart is in the right place, and Cobra's heart is non-existent. Um, but uh, <laughs> not even. I'm sorry. There's just no. I but uh, no, no. Like, but like, but like. I think like. Yeah, again, like everyone in this movie is kind of a so the, cipher, so it's a little it's a little harder. Like, not a it's not a bad name for him considering. But um, so anyway, yeah, they're watching the guy's hacking to a signal, and right. you're in this voice. One of the things, you, like you hear, uh, come crackling out. One of the first things you hear is, "Keep us asleep, yeah. keep us selfish, yeah. keep us sedated." Yeah. And yes, this movie was basically screenplay screenplay uh, submission by me, <laughs> apparently. Because yeah, yeah. yeah uh, he basically talks about you hear. He, Hints and snippets that there's someone who has taken a, taken us over, yeah. and that there is there's something out there controlling us, right. and it, it sounds like a paranoid paranoid ravings of a lunatic, like whenever I talk about it now, and um, you know we we kind of get this uh, you know like what's going on, and and the people watching are getting headaches, right. They feel like, ugh, uh, uh, which is never fully explained, but right. I like to believe because it's they will mention later whenever we get to the glasses, and I know it's not much of a spoiler. Almost everyone who sees this movie knows about the sunglasses. Uh-huh. Is they talk about how you get a headache every time you take what, those off, off. And, yeah. and like, and it's it's the like I think they're like it's kind of this implication. I feel like there's an implication that the more, like the more you're exposed to the truth, like there's something in the technology that they're using to keep you hypnotized and sublimated. Right. Like the more you feel that you recognize that truth, the harder like, like like the more like your head like like trying to like reconcile the hypnotism with the truth, yeah. I think is what gives people headaches. Right, that makes sense. You know, like that's always been my kind of my private theory about this movie. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, they've got headaches. They're like, oh, whatever. And then and then like basically the movie cuts back into what they were watching, which was actually kind of fun for yeah. me, is because I actually recognized it. It was a an old B movie, The Monolith Monsters, right, which. I, one of the things I've always loved about Carpenter is like he he wears his like I love he and Dante both like remind like I, I, and and George Romero to an extent although not as much and George Romero is more the Carpenter's kind of the midway point between Joe, uh, Joe Dante and George Romero right. in that like George Romero is the one who has all the social criticism Joe Dante is the one that has um, you know all like the the total love of B trash you know although there's social criticism in some Dante movies um, but you kind of meet in the middle with Carpenter. 
you know, in that like he's like he you can like he wears his influences on his sleeve. I mean, Carpenter's, I mean, like Carpenter's major '80s movie that I I will not be showing on this podcast because I think I don't know how much fun we can have with the thing. It's an amazing horror movie, uh, but like it's a remake of a '50s B movie called The Thing from Another World. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's one of those cases where the remake is vastly better than the original. Sure. But the Monolith Monsters is a very ridiculous, cheesy B sci-fi horror movie, like where these towers start build, these alien towers start building, and and like it's it's very strange, and it's 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 very like 50s, 60s sci-fi. And I've actually seen it, so I was very delighted when I because I I like when I first saw this movie, I hadn't I had I'd never I hadn't seen as many B movies as I've seen since, and I didn't recognize it at the time, but like it totally is. Uh, but anyway, um, anyway, across the way from them is the church, which is by the way an AME church, which is interesting because uh, other than the preacher, the blind preacher who you see like at that point, like when that oh, and when that thing is being broadcast, he keeps cutting to the preacher, right? And he seems to be almost mouthing the message, right. Even though he's like alone by himself, right? And then Gilbert, yeah. the uh, the guy who's been handing out the food and helping people, helps him into the church, right? Which, by the way, is an AME church, African Mes- Me- African Methodist Episcopalian, which very common churches in the southeast where I grew up, right? I, you don't really see them up here, probably because there's not a huge like like. Like, there's not a huge African-American population in the suburbs where we live. So, I, like, you know, I mean, let's be brutally honest. We live in the whitest white flight that ever whited. We are the whitest white that ever whited. No, 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 no. That's not true. Lake Forest is a little whiter. A little whiter, yeah. Um, but, yeah. Um, well, I mean, here's the thing. This is the Jewish suburb. We have the Jewish suburbs. So, there, you know, there might be a little swerve in there. And you a know that swerve. that's a little or it could be, Or it could be like a former Charleston police chief, Reuben Greenberg, and be black and Jewish. Or, or like Sammy Davis Jr. True, 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 true. Or like Yafet Koto. Yep. Well, there's been a lot of really powerful black Jews in the world. No, there hasn't. There's been like three. <laughs> there's been like three. Um, oh, oh, no, no, no. Nell Carter. Nell Carter. Nell Carter. Black Jewish friend. lesbian. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. Yeah. She's just she's just crossing off. Give me lines. a break, huh? <laughs> By the way, anyone under the age of 40 that remembers who Nell Carter is, congratulations on having an older brother or sister, you know? Um, um, so, when, so, of course, you know, uh, Piper decides that he's got a... Go check out what's going on in this church because he's right. he's a little he's you know yeah he's like what's going he's on he's like skeptical here? of like what's yeah. happening here so he sees Gilbert going in there so he decides and you hear to... like there's there's singing going yeah on. so they're decides... singing Rock of Ages yeah so he decides to follow and he goes Ooh, in <laughs> and the first thing that I notice is that he walks <laughs> in there sorry. and there's a table and <coughs> those of you who've done theater oh it does look like a prop table it literally is set up like a prop but, but, table but the thing is it's set up with it's science things it's like beakers and like like test tubes and weird colorful and liquids. I can't tell you for sure if they've actually masking taped off the areas that are like I think set they did and the, it looks like a freaking backstage prop table it does so it's it, I'm like what are they about to go do a show like I literally yes they're doing Frankenstein we, the musical I didn't understand because you know I don't know what this movie is I yet so I wasn't sure where we were headed so right. I'm like is he about to walk in on like the like right. like the like I don't know the nativity scene oh, of, and, like, there were, some oh show? and there were also a whole bunch of cardboard boxes and, and bear in yeah. mind he's walked in like basically the front of the church didn't he he came in the front door didn't he I thought he came in the side but maybe, maybe I, don't, I don't know I but he came into a room and you could hear everyone singing right so he's obviously and it sounds quote, crowded quote unquote but backstage. he's in a room but he's in a room and like yeah. there's like nobody in there yeah. and it's full of boxes full of boxes in a way like I mean if you've walked, ever walked into a church for any reason 
they usually don't have a lot of things blocking the entryway because the whole point of a church is to have people come into it. Right. You know, like you don't really have your your churches aren't usually designed unless unless you're in the middle of a zombie apocalypse. Your yeah. churches usually aren't designed to keep people out. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like. Well, it's also not built like a church. It's, it's almost built like an old schoolhouse. Well, yeah. Well, which I think is part of it. Um, like it's a converted. There's usually a high crossover between old school houses and churches. That's what I mean, though. I don't think <laughs> you know, it's like, it's not like yeah. a newly built but church like, the way he, you would think about it with like two double people, doors He can that hear open. the people sing, yeah. like, singing and then he looks, he sees a reel-to-reel tape player. Right. Which I always found really funny because it's not like we had reel-to-reel tapes in the 80s, sure but like, we had them, but nobody owned them in the homes. You, you, you weren't like, you weren't going home and listening to your reel-to-reel. But it's a church. They probably got it as a donation. Well, yeah, okay. My point being, in movies, you saw reel-to-reels all the time in the 80s, but you never really saw them in person. I see what you're like, saying. If, if, like, I feel like if someone not born when we were born, mm-hmm. like younger than us, watched a lot of 80s movies, they might come on the impression that some of the technology we had like was incredibly outdated because they, there's stuff that you see in that you see in movies all the time that we're. I mean, not this was '88. There should be at least a boombox. Yeah, th- yeah. But anyway, you could see he sees the, the tape playing and he sees a cable going through a hole in the wall. Yeah. You know, and he's trying to listen in. And, and through that hole, there's a big sign, and it says, uh, "We they live, we sleep." Yeah. It's been painted in. Yeah. Yeah. And, and which I think is important. And then it cuts to and then it cuts because we other have side a title. Of, it cuts the other side of the wall, and I, I couldn't tell if he, if he if he was seeing this through spying or if it was just. I think like, we were being... Or if we were just seeing... But we see, like, there's a big, like, satellite dish on the inside there, and there's a whole bunch of technology, and there's a bunch of people in the room pacing, and you see the guy who'd been talking. Yes. And he looks exhausted. The preacher's back there. Uh, Gilbert is back there. And Gilbert is, uh, by the way, he's played by... A, he's another one of those That Guy character actors. I think his name is Peter Jason. Yeah, Peter Jason. And he's one of those guys who's been in, like, eight jillion things yeah. as well. Um but you see, they're obviously, they're talking about like, oh, we could barely get in. We could barely break into the signal. You know, we, we, we're not reaching enough people. And they mentioned something about that we can't make the Hoffman lenses fast enough. And you probably missed that. I did. Yeah. Like, they're, that, they, they, they throw off a line about we can't make the Hoffman lenses. I think he said, it sounded like Hoffman. Oh, I, I, that's what I've always thought they were called. I don't know if there's a, but, um, somebody but basically, will, the implication, tweet you the the truth. implication <laughs> is they are making yeah. uh, these lenses that help people see the truth. But you don't, like, that's a, that's a throwaway line. That's like knitted in there so that it's not so weird when you, when, when you see later. it later. No, I get but, that. Um, um, so so so, uh, so basically, uh, he trips and staggers. Someone comes in and says, "Can I help you?" You know, and like kind of helps him out the door and right. back to the camp. And so now he's like, "What's going on?" And he's trying to spy on them now. And you see him. He borrows some uh, some some. Uh, some glasses from a young from a young boy, right? Uh, binoculars, not glasses. Right. And he's like trying, to, and Keith David's like, "What are you doing? Don't look at that. Don't pay." It. Like Keith David's like, "Keep your head down. Don't don't look too hard into this." So obviously he's aware there's something going on. Yeah. But he doesn't want to know what because he's got his he's got he's got a family to take care of that he's like doesn't want to like he doesn't want to stick his neck out too far. Uh, so the um, so he he's trying to spy on them, and I. I Basically, the next big thing that happens is while he's trying to spy on them, uh, he looks up and there's a helicopter. There's a huge, and he's seen this helicopter sort of circling. The helicopter, yeah, they've been showing the helicopter in the sky, but it's but not now, been so prominent. But all of a sudden, it's just like, like, like out of nowhere, there's just a freaking huge like raid coming yeah. like cops are coming to raid this they're raiding this church they're they're like they come in like, there's a a, a a 
like a SWAT team pulls up, they have like a name on the side. It's like science investigation yes. team or yes. something like that, or science investigation unit. Bulldozers are coming in to wreck the camp. Yeah. Like like the, the, the homeless camp is getting run over by bulldozers. And they're not even caring if there's humans and, in there. And, and, and the cops are all like lined up and they have like riot gear on right. and they're marching. And it's really kind of weird to watch. Like, like I turned to Allie at this point and said, this movie could have been made today, huh? Except for one thing, weirdly enough, and I know at the time I remember thinking the cops look, looked super militarized. Yes. In hindsight, they look so much less militarized than, than we have today. now. Oh, yes. Because they're just in white riot helmets with riot shields for the yeah. most part, and they're carrying billy clubs. Yeah. But, like, and there's not even as many of them. Like, no. it, like I mean, one movie budget limitations, I'm sure. But, like, but like I, I remember the t- like when I first saw it, I was like, look at this terrifying police state. And yeah. now it's like, <laughs> it's just run of the mill. It's nothing Like, that's a regular, we, that's like a regular, regular piece cop. of news yeah, footage know, uh, these days. Um, so everyone's on the run. Like it's it, 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 like it was. It must have been the evening when it, when it started because I remember he was in sunlight and all of a sudden it's dark. Mm. You know, and like the cops are coming and cornering people and rounding them up. They round up that the the preacher and the and the announcer guy. Yeah. you see them getting beaten with uh, billy clubs. Right. And bear in mind, this is L.A. And I, this is funny because this was. I mean, this was L.A. Really, the, like people who were in the know in L.A. knew L.A. was doing this kind of stuff already. Sure. I mean, this is Daryl Gates, L.A. We've mentioned it before. Like, this is pre-Rodney King. Yeah. But everyone who's in the know knows, like... So this kind of brutality was going on, but still, showing it in a movie in 1988 was not, you know... You know, was like... You know, like, it's a police state. They're getting getting rounded up. You see people... Piper helps that boy who borrowed the binoculars who, like, get away. Yep. Uh, There's actually a scene where they're jumping into a building, and I kind of love this, and I I feel like this is, like, just... It's been a while since I've seen uh, a lot of Carpenter movies. Uh, like the last one I saw was with you, Big Trouble in Little China. But I feel like there's a consistency in Carpenter movies where his characters are sometimes kind of clumsy. Mm-hmm. Like when 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 Piper climbs in through the window, he falls as he's getting in the window. Well, because in a way, that's in a, in like like but you know like a lot of times in movies you see like these kind of the hero like is Piper supposed to be this like competent hero in a lot of ways? He's designed to be competent. He's yeah. mostly competent throughout. But like, like he stumbles and staggers and does things in a much more humanized way than you sure. sometimes see. Um, so they uh, basically they they're they're in hiding in this building, and he runs into there's a guy who like, honestly I'd never seen the character before. There's a black guy smoking a cigarette, right? And then you see this family, and the family we've seen before, the family we've the, seen the father before. and the daughter. And were... I'm pretty sure the guy, I'm, I'm pretty sure that kid, like that guy, the, the boy with the binoculars, he's he seems like he's like 20, but he seems like, but like he runs over and the guy puts his arm around him in a way that makes me think that he's supposed to be his dad or something. I don't think it's his dad. I because or maybe he, it's a refugee. Piper thing. Piper says, um, "Go be with them. Like yeah. like they'll take care of you." Right. And I think it's more of like, right. you know, you've been a part so, of this refugee camp. So they're and they you're obviously, young, so. and it's implied they obviously spent the rest of the night in hiding. In, in hiding, and sort of right. Like he's like looking out through these slat this this boarded up window. Right. You know, like, you know, like, like, yeah, and the, the cops have been like throwing flares on the ground and blocking all the escape routes before that point. Okay, good. Um, at least we're starting to almost get to the point of this movie because right, at this point we have right. not really hit and the then, point like, of this we, movie. And basically, you know, like at this point we, we cut to like the next day and it's like the, 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 the Hooverville is, it's almost it's empty. Leveled, it's like yeah. there's little people, are, but people are still there. That's yes, the thing. They're trying to clean up. Like they're trying to like, they're, they're trying to like. Like they're trying to put it back together, and and Piper basically breaks into the church. Yeah, and, and he grabs a box. He grabs a box, and uh, runs off with it. And he and he runs weirdly enough all the way to the city. Yeah, I don't quite know because like he's in an alleyway in the city when he finally opens up this box and he pulls out. It's it's full of sunglasses, and he kind of looks disappointed. Yeah, he's like, and he. I think he expected like flyers or expect, like a I think he expected. I don't know what he expected, yeah. but I think he expected more than that. Yeah, but he he but he takes a pair of them and he put. But he decides he he. 
he does have the wherewithal to like hide them in a trash can. Yeah. He like puts them in and puts something over it. Yeah. And this is the moment. This is the this is one of the two legendary scenes in this movie that people talk about. Um, he, he put like he walks around. He he puts them on while he's walking, and it's like first thing you see him, he's like looking down at his feet, and his feet are in black and white. And he's yeah. like kind of yeah, like weird. disoriented, yeah. and he puts his he he put takes them off, looks up, and then he puts them on, and that's when he sees the big billboard that he was watching suddenly goes from you know like just an ad to just a white space with the word obey written in black and i want to talk for a second about one the very obvious influence this had on shepherd fairy the artist who did the uh you know the obey series like he 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 is clearly influenced by this he's admitted it as such yeah um all that andre the giant stuff uh with obey and all those kind of posters that's that's from that is from this movie, right? And one of the reasons Carpenter chose black and white, whenever the glasses are on, is the is kind of the idea that like in a very real black and white sense, this is what they're doing to us, and we try to hide it under all these colors, right? You know, but if you if you strip away all the all the colorfulness of our of our consumer capitalist culture, it is people telling us to obey, to as the signs say, like to get married, have kids. Quietly reproduce, yeah. consume, you know, stay asleep. Ne- stay asleep. Like these are messages. Okay. And, I, and 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 so I have to step in here for just one second because we're about to get really deep into the point of this movie that I think is actually very cool. Um, but I want I have to <laughs> I have to say something. <laughs> okay, this is where I get really mad because I, I get really angry at this movie because this I saw that and I had the same reaction that I think most people have. They're like oh shit like oh my gosh like look what look what they're doing this this political statement it's really and it's done so well i have to say like it's done really effectively Mm -hmm. and you are like like you get it immediately but you get it and and yet you still want to see more and you kind of want to understand what's going on and you're totally engaged and you're with it and you get it there is a really good story within this piece mm-hmm. of shit movie. There's a really good, cool, politically th- fraught, mm-hmm. awesome fucking story within this stupid piece of shit like I know and you're, you're movie. You're trying to derive ought from what from is the human problem. I'm and so frustrated by this because I, I really it, like I the idea behind it. But first of all, you have uh, 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 no offense you know, Mr. Piper, but you fucking suck as an actor. Oh, he's and then you've got, and we haven't even introduced her yet, but when she shows the fuck up, I just kind of, I was like, I literally put my, my notes down and I was like, there are two moments in this whole movie that I put my notes down. I was like, I am done. And, and they are coming up. And I, I mean, I was so mad by this point, like, cause I was like so into this part of the movie and I was so with it and I was so excited and I really thought like oh my god this has a redeeming quality I can handle the fact that it took you know 40 minutes to get to this point mm. I get it like I'll, I'll I'll give it it's long you know ramp up to this point I'll give it that because this is fucking cool and then we and then they just kill it they fuck it up and it makes me mad all right but they haven't fucked it up they haven't they haven't fucked it up yet no, but it's coming they, 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 I, they I, I can not... anticipate the fuck up I can feel it coming. <laughs> all right. So anyway, before we get to that point. So he's wearing the glasses. So he's wearing the glasses. He's walking around. He sees all this. And th- where it gets really crazy, like it's already getting crazy. Yeah. Like you see him walking down, a, like the big moment, he walks in this magazine rack and all the magazines are, are basically white, just, like, just like white like with one, those like obey, right, yeah. bree, and oh. he's flipping like, and each page is like, you know, like 
like keep dreaming, keep whatever, you know, like keep it, you know, keep stay asleep, Sleep. whatever, all these things he's flipping through. He looks up and so far he's just seen words. Yeah. And then there's a guy next to him with, and I'll just say, because in the credits, they're credited as ghoul with a yeah. ghoul face. It's yeah. like these weird, like round bug eyes and almost like a skull looking face. Yeah. You know, just like this monstrous looking creature and you know the guy and, like wearing like a suit and like yeah you know, his it, with like with white hair and and he's like talking the guy's like what are you looking at what's the yeah, problem what's the problem and yeah. like and he's like you know and he puts the glasses down and it just looks it looks like this normal white guy in a suit and like like it, it's this awkward moment and then like and then like you know that guy pays for his thing and leaves and Piper's just like what the hell and the news guy looks at him and the news guy just looks like a person and yeah. the news guy's like hey you gonna pay for that or what. And the news guy has the money in his hand. And this is one of my favorite yeah. moments is Piper looks at the money in his hand and the money is just these white rectangles that say, this, this is, is your, your God. God, which is so cool. You know, like that's it. so cool. Now, here's the interesting thing is that and, and, and you'll see more of these ghoul people showing up. And I you say they have big bug eyes and I think they do later on as I see it more clearly. But I looked at it and I saw them more as like jeweled eyes like yeah. as if they were almost diamonds or something yeah. and every single person that he encounters that has this ghoulish mm-hmm. face are people who have what uh, would appear to be better off oh, yeah, financially oh, than anybody they are, else they are they are the wealthy yuppies they are the yes. they are the successful people right and uh, yeah and so yeah and you get a while and I, and I actually think this is a part like this movie does have a languid pace yes and I think this is where I actually think uh, I enjoy the fact he like Carpenter sits for a little bit with Piper just walking around yeah. and seeing this. He walk, he stumbles into like a little, a small grocery store and you see, and he realizes half the people there are like these ghouls and half the people are just regular people. Right. And at one point you actually see like this guy, t- regular person talking to one of the ghouls and he's just like, oh, I just, I'm just really depressed and I just, I can't, you know, I just, I feel like I just can't get ahead. And they're like, and the, and the ghoul's like, oh, you'll get there. Just keep trying. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's easy for you to say you've got the promotion. Yeah. You know, and it's just, it has this whole feel of like these, like, but anyway, he, he finally, he's staring too long at someone and she says something back rude, one of the ghouls. And he, and he, and he says the, like the, like you looks like, what is it? You, it's you look like a dehydrated something. I don't you know. know like I, I, I actually went to the quotes. It looks like you dipped your face in the cheese dip back in 1957. <laughs> like, Piper has some of the worst, be- slash, for yeah. me, slash, best lines in movie history yeah. in this point. Like, he's, like, he's, like, he's just talking, he's talking, he's talking WWF trash in a regular movie. But here's the thing. This is where I, I went, wait a minute, is that if you have stumbled onto something like this and you've discovered that you can see something that most oh, yeah. of the world can't, what an imbecile. Oh, no, he does it dumbly. I it mean, is, this is very dumb. Imbecile. He's And I think that's the point is his character doesn't really realize the consequences of his actions ever. Oh, uh, yeah. Throughout the movie, like, I think he's, 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 he, much like Jack Burton, he just get he just dives face first into the problem. Yeah. Like, he's not a, he's not a, he's not a, he's not a thinker. He's a doer. Yeah. Um, very much so. I mean, unlike Jack Burton, he's not secretly the sidekick in a story that where he thinks he's the lead. Right. You know, like Keith David is clearly the sidekick character in this movie yeah. and he is the lead, but he is definitely like not a, he's not a, he's not thinking these things through. He's not mm. planning. He's just saying, we got to get there. We got to do it. Yeah. And you know, so he, he starts talking trash to these things and like, and you see like they are talking into their watches. Yeah. Like one of them sees, one of us, them can see us, blah, yeah. blah, blah. So he, um, so he tries to get. He out tries of there. to get. He yeah. get. He stumbles out of there, and he he's walking away, and he runs into a couple of cops. 
and both the cops are ghouls. Yeah. And they're like, hey, buddy, you know, like, they try to capture him, and he shoots one of them. Yeah. Um, with I can't remember where he got the gun from. Uh, I can't remember where he got the gun from either. Did he take the gun from the cop or like, no, oh yeah, he hit the cop, stole his gun and right, shot him right. with it. That's and then he shoots the other cop and then he steals the rifle from out of the, the, out the, of the, out uh, of the, the riot car, gun right. from, from out of the cop car. Right. And that's when he shows back up, like, like that's when he walks into the room with all of them again and says, I'm here to. Oh yeah. Says the very classic line. Uh, he walks into like a, a government office. Though. Yeah. Like, yeah, he walks into like a government building or like a building of some, yeah. some sort of office building. You know, and he says, I've come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all, all out, out of bubblegum. Bubble <laughs> Which is uh, one, of, one of those classic, like, tough guy movie lines. It's so ridiculous. I don't know if that if that line existed before this movie. It's the first time I had ever heard it. Mm-hmm. And, it like, and I've heard it many, many times since then. then. Usually parody. The place. And then you just start sh- shooting. And, yeah, to, to most people's minds, this is a psychopath. Yeah. This guy just comes in. Like, he's aiming for, like, obviously. All the ghouls. But he's, who knows? He might have hit some civilians. Well, I don't it, know. from what you can tell from the shots, he's only hitting ghouls. Okay, so he's um, and he and, and he's going after them, and you see like he's getting he's getting a, you know like a call like he sees one of them calling in about him and describing him, and he says, you know he like you know him. what happens to tattletales, and he goes to sh- aim the rifle at him, and the guy just disappears. Yeah, he like, like operates. Yeah, like he just goes zoop. Like like you know, Harry and Potter. and so he stumbles he stumbles out. He sees a little which is like, a far better movie than this. Go ahead. A cartoon flying saucer. <laughs> it's basically a cartoon like a fifties B movie yeah. flying saucer following after them. Which is another thing. Like this movie clearly has this movie is clearly rooted in like that body snatchers yeah. B movie feel. You know, it's very intentionally got that like throwback feel. Even though it's like it's like it's like a fifties movie came out in the eighties. Yeah. You know. And so he blows this up in one of the most ridiculously bad special effects I've seen in a while. Like, it, like he blows up this cartoon uh, disc with, into a, with a cartoon. Um, and then he's on the run. Um, and then he goes into a garage. And by the way, there is a very common theme in 80s movies of the main character has to kidnap the most annoying woman on earth. Oh my God. Okay. 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 I know that I can be a snob about the acting in movies because, you know, hey, it's my profession. It's what I do. I know that I can be a pain in the ass about this. But, oh, my God, why? Why did this woman have any kind of career? a career? And why is she have any sort of career and I am still sitting on the couch here? Like, I don't mean to be an I'm asshole ta- about I'm it. I'll tell you why. Because she she was Mamzelle, Mamzelle Magazine's eyes of 1979. Well, she can take her eyes and pluck out she those doesn't... fucking contacts and stop um, being who she is. I don't think those are contacts. I, I don't care. I, I think she actually just has like eyes that are that pale She's blue. She's so goddamn bad. She rivals what's her bucket in her and Brigitte Nielsen in Brigitte. Whatever Why do you have so much trouble saying Brigitte? She's a fucking idiot in in Cobra. I can't with these women. I cannot. I cannot. It makes she's me very, angry. She's got a, by the way, I don't know, I don't know about now, but I suspect, I mean, she's still around. She's in her late 60s, um, and she still acts. Um, <laughs> mostly in theater, by the way. Um, but I imagine now she's probably got a Suzanne Plachette voice, because she was already getting a little gravelly in the 80s. Um, she, 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 she needs to be taken out to pasture. For all you, for all you know, she's improved vastly. I hope so, for her sake, because my God, I, She's, I would be embarrassed. Yeah, she's she's not particularly sympathetic in this movie. She's ever. awful. She's but she's kidnapped. But she's sympathetic at first because you know, like Piper is, like you know Piper what Piper sees. Yes. 
but no one else does. Right. And so he, she just looks like a crazy person kidnapping this woman and making her drive. Yeah, and he drive. He makes her. Yeah, he makes her like drive. Like he hides under her uh, in the passenger seat of her car down low with the gun on. Because he's being chased now by the cops. By the cops, and she drives him to her place. Right. And it's a it's a nice like she's a, she's an executive at Ch- at Channel Fifty Four. Right. He finds out this. She's and, a programming director. And when or he gets up to kind of like oh so you understand he tries to get her to put on the glasses and she basically tells him that if I put them on I'm gonna see whatever it is you want me to see even if I don't see anything. So he's basically she basically tells him like I'm scared of you and I will lie yeah. you know even though I, I which may- I which I think more power to her at that point like be, like having that love, like her character not the yeah. actors more power to that character for saying look. Yeah. No matter what you, you know, I'm just going to tell you what you want to hear. Right. So if you want me to put them on, fine, right. but it's not going to change. You have anything. all the control and so, you have all the strength. And so you have yeah, guns and you, in my face. And basically, so. so he's at her house, which is a nice house on the on the on a on a cliffside in yeah. the in the you know in, in the you know in the hills, and uh, basically he almost falls asleep, and she's like going to sneak off, and he's like, you know, you try anything, yeah. <laughs> like and don't. She's fucking like, no, try I just want to get a drink and and. She's getting a drink, and and he goes and looks out the window, and he starts talking. And he finds out that she, that's when he finds out she's, she's a producer. She's an executive. And, and he and, turns to her, and he says, oh, I, you know, you need to, uh, you know, if you've got, you know, uh, connections at the cable company, you know, we need to get the signal. And he starts to say something, and she and, hits and him. She hits him in the back of the head with a bottle, and basically chucks Chuck him out a picture window down a cliff, which is it's really sudden. Yeah. Like, like I remember you going, "Oh shit!" You yeah. know, because it, it comes out yeah, of nowhere. It it's does. been real slow. Like I will say, this movie explodes with violence yeah, after pretty, being very slow paced yes. for a while. So the violent moments in this movie are almost like other than at the end where it's like a consistent violence for a while yeah. like the it, it's like it's an inc- like it, it explodes out of nowhere he's suddenly he's rolling down a cliff um he's lost his sunglasses yeah he's lost the sunglasses we and find out later at the and thing. he's and you hear the the sirens cuz she's called the cops and he's and he's like ducking around and getting you know out of the way uh, of everything right and we hear her name is Holly Thompson on the phone yeah. oh yeah that's blah, right yeah blah blah whatever so he he ends and he's he she, he asked her her name i don't remember how he, she never. Oh, he never says. Her name. Cr- yeah, no, he does. He knows. He never her says name. his. No, he knows her name. He never. She, she tells, never tells him. him his, yeah, yeah. He yes. never tells him. His no, but across the the neighbors see them get out of the car together, and they're like, "Hey, Holly, how are you?" or whatever. And then he finds out her name. So mm-hmm. whatever. So the long story short is that he drops the glasses when she hits him. They drop in her in her house. Right. So you get the sense that like he's now lost the glasses. So I mean, it's pretty obvious that he's headed back at some mm-hmm. point to go get those other glasses. Well, yeah, but 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 what happens next is. Like he's on the run, you 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 see him. He goes to the construction site. No, before he goes to the construction site, he goes and gets the glasses. No, no, trust me. He go first. He goes to the construction oh. site. He starts talking to to tries to get Keith David's attention. Keith David's right. like, you need to get out of yeah, here. Yeah, you've what you, killed what you a couple cops, you, right? It's like you're in the new, like he's in the news. He's yeah. all, like, and there's actually a photo of him on the news that weirdly enough is like, it's obviously a photo of Piper from another time because yeah. he's got short hair in it. Yeah, it's so weird. Like it's like, like, uh, like, uh, like apparently It the almost news, didn't look like him. Yeah. It was so weird. Well, it, it looked, it, 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 weirdly enough, it looked more like him from later on, like in yeah. like the like the 90s when he was an older man and he'd cut his hair out of, out of the mullet again. Yeah. Like late 90s Piper. And he looks a little heavier. Yeah, yeah. It's, it, it, well, it's I, don't weird. He, I don't know if he looked heavier to me, but like, yeah. But essentially, oh, by the way, uh, just just be, I, I never mentioned it in passing. Yes, he's a terrible actor, but weirdly enough, you know, I Carpenter cast him because his face looked like someone who'd been through a lot. Okay. Yeah, really, seriously, Carpenter just liked the way he looked. You know, um, Carpenter casts like Lynch casts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's very similar. It's like it like. Well, much like Lynch, Carpenter's got an auteur sensibility. Mm-hmm. He kind of does what he's going to do, and he'll be like, whether or not other people like it or get it, I don't think I'm Carpenter about to. Cares. I'm about to explain to you that it is that we are getting very dangerously close 
to when I put the notes down and just looked at John with the most smoldering anger that I've Which ever is seen so ever. funny because you, you're you're wrong to do so. Okay. Uh, but anyway, so he goes back. Uh, Keith David's like, you got to get out. Like, get out of here. Right. You know, I I got I got a family. I, I I can't help you. Get going. And he goes, and I don't I don't know exactly how Keith David finds him. He after follows this. him. I guess he follows him. But he basically Piper goes back to the trash can because he needs a new pair of glasses. And the trash can's empty. Right. Then he sees like the, like it's been thrown into a trash truck. A trash truck of a model I've never seen before never seen in my before. life that makes no sense That's at like all. That's like a big like... Because here's the thing. Trash trucks still basically operate the same way now as they did when I was a kid. Yeah. You throw everything in the back, it compacts it. Right. You throw more in, it compacts it. But this is basically... It had like a hinge in the back. Yep. And it also... And you, you could just go in and there's just all the trash in there. And he runs in, he goes, digs through the trash, he finds the box, and then for some reason they dump the trash out on the ground, which makes no sense. Like, there's literally no reason for that to happen. They dump all the trash on the ground, and he, he stumbles up, he's got like, he's got the box, and he's got his glasses. Yeah. Um, and at that point, Keith David shows up and uh, tosses him a wad of cash, like, which lands right in the box, and he said, like, this is, this is your, your pay, you know. This is all, one week's pay. One week's pay, you know, like, and, and turns around to leave. And that's when we enter where Allie and I differ the most on this movie. Because we enter into what I and most right-thinking people consider one of the greatest fights in film history. Okay. I want to stop here for a second. I just want to stop here and say this. Okay. <laughs> that's the, that's going to be the tagline of this episode if we did I just, that. I just, I just I want to stop, stop, stop for a second. Can we have a moment? Because I literally have to say this. Here's the deal. I... I can see why this fight scene is beloved by a whole bunch of yous, John. I mm-hmm. can see it. What bothers me on a filmic world of this of this thing is that it takes five and a half minutes to do one of the most boring fight scenes that doesn't seem to have a point. It, the 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 insistence of this fight and the fact that it's essentially... One guy trying to get the other guy to put on glasses, and for whatever dumbass reason, the other guy won't do it, even though he's shown up in good faith to give the guy his money, and yet they end up in a fight for no... I think it's like the motivation of it, and the fact that it happens for so long is why it's stupid to me. It, it, it just doesn't end. It's the most unending, dumb fight. There's... There, you know how it's going to end up. You just know that they're not going to hate each other in the end. Somehow he's going to get them on his side. Somehow he's going to become his ally. And it's stupid and long. And it feels like the same fight. No offense to all my Chicago folks, but I'm sorry. One of my one of my favorite plays that I saw, you know, in the last couple of years was Superior Donuts at Steppenwolf. But oh my God, those those people did not know how to fight. And it was the worst fight I've ever seen on stage in my life and it was embarrassing and it sucked and it was long and it felt like shoddy and I could see where the naps were happening and that's exactly how I felt about this fight. Jane, you ignorant slut. (laughs) Okay, you know what? You are the, you, you are the, the cobra of humans. And you are the they live of humans. I may be unrepentantly terrible, but you could be a lot better and you choose not to. (laughs) Because I'm going to tell you right now, this is one of the greatest fight scenes yeah. in film history. Yeah. I love how long it takes. Ugh. I love that the, these are two guys that are fairly evenly matched. 
I love the way they keep slamming into each other. And, like, they keep stopping. They keep having to breathe. They keep taking breaks. You think it's over. Then it gets dragged back in. I am not 100% convinced that this was not... I think this was intended to be a mildly humorous fight scene. There's a scene, <laughs> where, he, there's a scene where he breaks up in the middle of it. Like, he's laughing about how silly it is. And then they go right back to hitting each other, I almost, which I love. I almost left to go take a piss. I was so from, annoyed by from what I From what I have heard, from what I have heard, by the way, this fight scene is apparently, and I've never seen it, but I, I, I want to say Rio Bravo, but it's, inter, it, it's, it's apparently mildly an homage to an old John Wayne movie that has a very long, slow slugfest of a fight between two people. And, I mean, I love that this takes, like, it's like five and a half minutes long, and it's like, it's two guys who are fairly, like, like they're two big, beefy dudes just beating the crap out of each other very gradually. It does feel like a WWF match. <laughs> um, but also, like, uh, from what I've heard, um, so, and now, now this is from Wikipedia, the font of all lies, but supposedly Darren Aronofsky was actually used this as an influence for The Wrestler. Um, which I've also never seen The Wrestler, so I can't, uh, I, I can't, can't speak to that. that. Yeah. I can't verify that. But, like, the whole... I love this fight. I love how slow pace is. I love that it's just like, put on the glasses! Punch, punch, punch. I love that at one point he takes a swing at him with, a, with, a, with like, a, a, a big old piece of, uh, of iron. Or, no, it was a piece it was of like wood. wood. Piece of wood, pardon me. Smashes the back of a car, looks, and is like, oh, shit, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying... Like, he's... Because he's not trying to... Like, he's trying to force him to do this, and he's angry at him, and he's, like, like beating at him, but he doesn't want to actually hurt him. And I love... Fight, so, anyway, the fight goes on for freaking ever, and I, like, I love how long it goes on. I I think it is... I, I think I made an alley angry dent in the couch during this fight. <laughs> Like, I was so frustrated. I put the, the the notes down and I sat cross-armed and just was like mad. Which is so, like, you're coming at this from the wrong angle, lady. I'm telling you right now, this is this moment, this scene is basically kind of a spoof and kind of like okay. why you have someone like a I pro figured, wrestler in I figured in out it. why it Because it's like me. a heavyweight wrestling yes. match. And okay, and I, I'm going to tell you, if standing away from it and just looking at the fight itself... In, in the movie or like in the idea of it or whatever, I could see how it could be considered a humorous moment. The idea that they're mm-hmm. evenly matched. I get the whole idea that we have a wrestler. He does a, he does a, not a body slam, but he does the thing where he picks them up and then they fall backwards. Mm-hmm. Like I know, and I used to know all the names of the, it's, I, I used to know all the I don't names think that was a full move yeah. because because David, the whole point is David's character kicks off the wall and screws it up. Okay, but anyway, my point is that I, I understand all of the points of it and I can see it on an intellectual thing. My issue, I think, on a on a movie level, on a filmic level, and this is where I, you know, you know, get mad, is that he didn't earn this long fight. And no one on earth earned something as beautiful as this no, fight, honey. He didn't earn it. We live in a fallen we, world. Because, because it took so long to get here, and I think that's my point: is that we took so long to get to the coolest part of this sh- of this film and therefore i'm like okay what's gonna happen what's gonna ha- I, now i want to see where we're going because i've waited so fucking long through can the I, hobo can I montage t- can i tell you why this needs to be long i don't mind that the fight is long i mind that the whole rest of the movie no doesn't even get in the context even in the context of the movie no i i i don't i don't think you get to tell me anything anymore i think the you showed this, me this piece the of reason trash and i had to live through it now oh. the end of it oh man i cannot wait to show you worse <laughs> movies um so the reason the fight needs to be long is up to this point, we have, though we have inklings mm-hmm. from the other, the other group, we have no proof that Piper is not kind of crazy. That he, like something, like that this isn't all in his head, that he's not imagining, like, like, the, like all of this crap. Like, I never 
once, never once in this whole movie didn't believe that he was seen with the. I didn't what they either. I didn't so either. Why? Why but is that? What are your? I don't. I the justification is bullshit. Wow, you know, for someone who spends for spent an hour today telling me how I always talk over you, I have let you spew wrong about this fight for like three minutes okay. without interrupting, and then I try to explain okay, myself, like, and you're like, "Fuck yeah, you, you're wrong. full of shit." Sorry, you're full of shit. No, tell me what it is. No, seriously. What? No, the point being, it's not necessarily that I think the movie, like, like that I don't doubt him, but a lot of times these kind of movies, like, they set you up for the twist of, oh my god, he's been crazy all along. Okay. But this, like, so you have to, like, this movie draws out, like, the proof that the one other sane voice in this movie that we've allowed to, like, see is, like, a decent, well-rounded character. Uh-huh. Like, getting him in is important. The indoctrination. He needs to resist. That is just what happens in any given hero's journey. You have to resist that calling. And I think, like, I, for one thing, I actually think this is one of, like, I know it's, like, the moves are crazy. But this is actually, and like the choreography is not perfect, but this is, I think, one of the more realistic fights I've ever seen in a movie because it's short bursts of action and then people are exhausted and like struggling. They've been like, they get hit in the head or, and they're like, they're, they're dazed for a minute and they gradually pull themselves together, start swinging again, get exhausted, fall over. Like it's, it's clumsy. It's, it's like... It feels like if you had two big guys in shape who were determined to fight, no one was stopping them, but they, they're the limits of their freaking, like, they're not, like, like this is a world that is not full of, like, Donnie Yen's, you know, being able to, like, do kung fu moves. These are two beefy dudes with, like, minimal, like, real-world fight training. Right. Like, slamming into each other. The characters, I mean, not even the actors. I understand what you mean. Slamming into each other, and finally... Finally, it ends with Keith David putting on the glasses. No, he puts them on him. Or like, no, with Keith David having the glasses put on him and being forced to see. And we, I forgot in my pitch I was going to bring up the Matrix. <laughs> I said that, no, I, but that's the other thing I was going to say is like during the movie there was a lot of, I kept saying to him, I was like, oh, so this is like the Matrix. Oh, so this is yeah, like, the, what did I say? This is like the Matrix meets. I was going to say V and the Matrix mixed in my pitch and I completely forgot. Oh, God, I forgot what the other movie was that I said that it Truman reminded Show? me of. No, it wasn't Truman Show. It was, don't you remember? I was like, I was like, oh, this is the Matrix mixed with, and then I said something else and I don't remember what it was. How the Grinch Stole Christmas. <laughs> but anyway. but Casablanca. My, but, okay. So, but I, I would just like to point this out here. I'm An episode of the Sunny and Cherry I'm curious if John Carpenter has read and or seen a whole bunch of, oh, I think her name is Annie Baker's uh, plays, because I think he would have loved the flick. Oh, you know what? Let's not. You're you're gonna make you're, you're you're getting too deep cut for our audience. But anyway, the flick was a, a play that was that played in was it at Steppenwolf? Yeah. At Steppenwolf here uh, about a year or two ago, mm-hmm. and it was controversial in in its like reception. Allie and I hated it because it was too slow paced, and I get it. And supposedly this was intentional, and a lot of people loved it because it seemed realistic. Right. So I get it. Like the pacing on this is slow, and the movies, the movie's pacing on the whole is kind of a problem for me. And why it's not a perfect movie to me is I do think, I do think this movie has very cheesy dialogue, very, very cheesy acting, and the pace is off. And that's this my is not a, this is not a masterpiece. I, I but. think that's my frustration, and I think that's where I think you you misunderstand me. My, and I have to make the comparison to Cobra just because it is my go to right. hate. But but I hate that movie because of the, the the fact that it really does not have any sort of moral morality. In oh it my all. god! Yeah, it no, has no it's moral terrible. compass. It has nothing to say. I don't give a flying 
about anybody in there. I think the only thing I damn remember well about it is that he cut the pizza with a pair of scissors. I just awesome. I, Come on, that's I fucking awesome. remember, and I don't care about anything else. Like, that's it. I just don't. I hated the movie so much that I like blah, out of my brain. I was re-listening to our episode, and I was like, Wow, you're arrogant. Listen to our episode. I was like, again. Oh my god, like what? What am I even talking about? Because I don't remember that even happening. I don't remember ever seeing something well, like wait, that. And you, I have a really good memory for movies, so the fact that I couldn't even remember after having. Do you remember Chekhov's movie, match in his mouth? I remember us talking about it. Okay. <laughs> Literally, that's. But my point is this: like, the, I, my hatred for that movie is different than my hatred for this movie. I don't hate this movie. I'm mad at this movie. I'm angry. I feel like you're. I'm cool, not mad. I'm disappointed. I am. I'm disappointed <laughs> because I really think there's some cool shit. So what you're saying around. is, I think you feel like, and we're we're getting way ahead of ourselves, and we won't. We'll we'll talk about this more maybe near the end. Yeah. But what you're saying is, you feel like this movie needs to see you after class. Yes, and I want to <laughs> yeah. help it rewrite itself. Okay, I get that, and I get that. Um, so yeah, but anyway, so David sees everything. <laughs> he like he realizes, oh my god, oh my god, like what's going on. And um, for the record, the next scene. I'm sorry if you did if if you don't think the next scene is just subtly hilarious. I'm sorry for you. Which one's the next scene when they move? When they're the, walking down the street oh, yeah, and going to a hotel and they're it's beat great. to shit. They yeah. are so no, obviously sore and exhausted. This, this was a great payoff because of the whole five and a half minute dumb fight scene. It's like, This oh. was a great payoff. It's so funny like the way they come in and then they go and they get basically they get a flophouse hotel room. <laughs> and what I love is how realistic this is. They don't really know what to do right. with this information. Like Piper's convinced like his optimism is still there. Right. Like, it's been moved over to, like, instead of faith in the system, it's the faith in himself. He's like, I'm going to fight this. We're going to find a way to stop it. But he yeah. has no idea right. what to how do. to do it. They don't have any information they other don't... than this is going on. And they don't know where they come from. They don't know who they are. Right. And they I, love that, I love that their solution to the problem is to kind of sit around in a hotel room drinking beer for a while. Because they've got nothing better. But I, I have to say, I feel I like that's... I love that moment. I honestly think that's kind of brilliant. Because it's like, we got to go hole up somewhere that they're not going to find. It's not going to come back to like where we've been or where to look right. for us. So they go somewhere that they I know... Mean, and they knows. do have a big wad of cash. I mean, they're not going to last long. But they've right. got enough money to like live for a couple of days. Yeah, they both just got paid. So they, so. they can get food and beer and right. basically and 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 yeah and and piper's face is all over the news yes yeah, so like, they've got to go somewhere they've got to go gonna, hiding and, so and, i think this is smart so the best part is that they they're like beaten and you know bruised and battered and they show up to this this like flophouse hotel and i love it that they're both still wearing the glasses and uh and it's just this moment of like a paused moment of silence and uh keith david's character frank uh just looks at the, <laughs> looks at the you know person behind the desk and goes I want a room. It's just a it's good moment. It's so great. It's a good moment. I give you it that. It is so great. By the way, I want to point out, just because I put this in my notes, yeah. and I, I, we didn't talk about it sure. during the fight. I just, I wrote in my notes, Allie's hating this as much as I love it. <laughs> like, I can, I was looking over at you during that whole thing and you were so angry. I but anyway, so angry. but anyway, I've the next thing that really, the next thing really happens out. is they basically, they, I can't remember, I, I can't remember how. They ran into Gilbert again. No, so I know that like he runs into wait, Gilbert in wait, like a hallway. But here's the thing. So they go they get into the room. First of all, there's no shower in there. There's just a sink. So so Piper's like cleaning himself. He's giving himself a horse bath. There's a horse bath in the sink. Yeah. And then they have this And then, <laughs> and then there's a monologue. A really long monologue that Piper gives about and his I'm, father, where he realizes that his father might have been one of these ghouls because his father never cared about him and basically put but, a knife in his back. But that's actually one point of the movie is that you don't have to be a ghoul to be terrible. This is like, true. You know, like, and, and what's funny is I, I will admit that monologue is so, like, boring and badly delivered that I kind of zoned out for a yeah. while. And I, was one of, I spent most of that monologue looking on the Wikipedia page to see who, which actor played what part. Yeah. Like, I was just like, all right, this is, 
along. Piper's talking, and it's like, whatever. Allie will remember this. It's the next day. So at they, I guess they must spend the night there. And then when they get up in the morning, they leave to go get groceries. That's what it is. They leave to go get groceries. And when they're on their way back, Gilbert's standing in the hallway by their room. He must have followed them or knows where they are. Or yeah, that's, that's, that's the implication. We're not quite sure There's where a lot of, he found This movie, him. to be... If I'm again to be fair, like like in the negative way with this movie, there's a lot of plot holes in this movie. Oh yeah, it's like things just sort of happen sometimes. Yeah, they somehow find each other and something. Yeah, happens. like there's a lot of this movie relies a lot on people just running into each other. Yeah, you know. So so he shows up and then they then they're like, cool, we got Gilbert, we can hatch this plan. So they get him in and he's like, we have a meeting of all the people who know, who've mm-hmm. seen, who are awake, basically yeah. woke, the woke folk. Yeah, they're woke. They they're are woke. woke. They've been woke. You know. Um, um, and uh, he's like, come meet us at this time. You know, whatever. So that, so just to fa- just to kind of get us through this, right? Yeah, no, no, we're we're ripping. They're going. Like, to, they're yeah. going to this meeting. Now things are starting. They to go up to this armed guard. They, the, the meeting is being held by an armed guard. Yeah. They 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 they're bringing their guns. At this point, they go in and they don't need their glasses because everyone's human there, and they're all given instead of the glasses. They're given these the newest development contact lenses that work better apparently. Yeah. Oh, and there's a whole thing where like uh like that during the that when they were holed up, Piper tells him to take the glasses off because they get to be kind of a trip. Right. You get right. really a, like you, you get you a get, headache or whatever. You get you get like high off of them. Yeah. You know, and so you need to so I like I think it's implied that like the the, the contact lenses, because there's less interference. Right. They, they work they, you can wear them and you don't like you're not messed up right. the entire time. That's what it, the implication was. Right. That they're made better than the glasses. Right. So were, yeah. so they've all got their stuff and at, at, at this meeting one you, you you see some of the characters are back like the family yeah the, the, the family the dad and the, the daughter dad, the dad and the daughter and the like i always thought that was his wife but i guess maybe like oh, i thought she, she was closer oh does she i yeah, missed she that calls him, she, she looked like they looked closer in age to me maybe she's like 16 and she calls him dad and uh, she says, I, I thought had, she was i thought she was like 30 <laughs> she said my, she said i have a headache when they're watching the, the oh yeah TV you're right show, yeah. And she says, dad my head hurts oh i didn't hear dad i just yeah. heard my head hurts no I, no I they're that. not married okay well anyway doesn't matter like you know, doesn't matter. Um, yeah. And anyway, yeah, the young man is there, and you you get uh, like I said, you get uh, you get Rebo Man Cy Richardson in a yes. character who's just called Black Revolutionary. Nice. Um, you get uh, you know like uh, basically a bunch of people uh, you know like are there, and they say like basically they're arming to to do like they they're, they're upset that first of all their their message is not getting out. There's less people coming than they need. Uh, they're, 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 they're on the run. The, the bad guys have been closing in, but they do believe they're broadcasting from a single point. Right. And they're pretty sure. And, and, uh, at that point they're, they're ta- like, they're talking about, they need to go in and destroy it. They need an armed team. And of course, Keith David and, uh, look, I, I even call them like, like Frank and Frank and Nada yeah. are like, we're gonna, you know, we'll do it. Like, yeah. and like, and they're getting, they've got, they're covered in weapons already. In they're, the midst of all of this is they're getting their weapons. And, and they say, they well, they talk about, they, they, they meet the uh, yeah, guy with they, the with the wristwatch. They meet the guy with the wristwatch who's explaining like basically they've got one of their wristwatches and that's how they teleport away. Yeah. And they're they're trying to figure out how to fix it. Right. Um, and then they talk about like there's a there there's a TV station that maybe they can go and get in and like stop the broadcast there. Right. And that's when and they say no like someone says like no they're clean and it, boom you get your favorite character back. Uh, Holly, Holly is back. Thompson. Holly Thompson is back and she basically it, it it's implied because after he left. She looks down at the glasses that right. are sitting in the broken glass. And the her, implication and, is she believes him. Yeah, and she and she, to get her and she kind of looks yeah. at him and she's like, you know, like like basically she says like I they're at the cable company that like they're yeah. at Channel Fifty Four. That's yeah. where. And you know, and of course, there's a moment where he goes and talks to her and she's like, I'm glad you're you're not hurt. And he's like, Me too, you know. And it's like you see them kind of having a little bit of a flirtatious thing going on. <laughs> Sorry. And before get, before all this stuff gets too intense, all of a sudden there's a huge explosion and. They're invaded by the cops. But before you say that, I want to make sure that we know that I think it's Frank who got given the wristwatch. Doesn't watch. matter. 
Like, no, it is. It's important. They need that wristwatch. No, it doesn't matter in the podcast because we can just say it. <laughs> like I'm saying, we don't have to cover every moment. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, but, it, but, but that moment comes up. Where it does come up. Yeah. Frank has the wristwatch. Yeah. doesn't matter in the grand scheme of things. They're invaded. And we see we see Cy Richardson and, uh, and Gilbert get blown away. Yeah. We see the family get blown away. We see basically almost everyone get blown away. They're nearly completely wiped out. Holly is safe. Holly runs. Holly, actually, they're not sure that Holly's safe. No, we no. Said, we see her get out. We see her get out. But like we don't know, like we don't know where she's gone. We, we see her actually. Last thing I remember, she gets separated. We don't. We they don't get know separated. We, we know she yeah. becomes safe later, but yeah. like she's safe, but doesn't like. But he's trying to go like uh, not as trying to save her, but he's uh, like, but he can't get to her. They're 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 trapped. They're undercover. Um, the watch goes off and it's malfunctioning. The watch actually says we're having a malfunction. You know, it opens a hole in the ground. Right. They jump down before it closes. Like there's a countdown for it before the hole will seal up. And uh, they they get away they that way, and they're and they're in like an underground tunnel under. And LA. they don't know where the hell they are. It's now. like an and it's like this like weird like it actually looks like the back of a uh, like like a convention center. like a, it, like it's like yeah look I was gonna say a stadium but yeah oh, same yeah. sort of thing, and essentially they're in this secret base and they're roaming around they're they're fully armed they still have their M16s they've got all their weapons they're trying to figure out where they are and they see they, there's these soldiers and you hear like an announcement celebrating the destruction of the last West Coast resistance cell. Yeah. And they're all cheering and happy. And they, they sneak along and they suddenly end up at a speech. Yeah, like, like a, they, they like walk a into a, like, like there's a big dinner with a speech speaker going on. It's like everyone's really well dressed. And when they look with their like when they look around with their glasses at this speech. They don't have glasses. They, they don't have, have their the glasses. Context. They have the context, pardon me. When they look but when you first see the announcement he's like, you the human leaders or whatever, and like you realize as you see it from their eyes, almost everyone in that room is human. Like people who have agreed to work, and you and basically you realize as they as they say uh, as the announcement basically like oh, what they said at the meeting and we forgot to mention it is there was this whole discussion about how what they're doing to the earth is they're 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 polluting the environment in a way like how since like 1958 I think they say like levels of methane and levels of this and the oxygen or such and the implication is they're actually turning the earth a la spaceballs into like an environment for them to live in actually right. not like spaceballs it's more like that uh, that doctor who episode with the sontarans but they're like all the pollution is turning the earth's environment into something that they're better with and it and it's not it, it's like they're not even conquering us we're not we're not like slaves to them we're the third world right. and it's like this is basically they're space capitalists and they're ba- they're going to milk the earth for all of its resources and then abandon it when they're done with it right and they end up there's a speaker and, basically talking about how the profits are up and how everyone's good and that's when they run into the drifter but, but we also at this point have learned that they are recruiting humans yeah that's what I'm, that's yeah. what I was saying yeah these yeah. these humans are working with them and getting rich themselves right. pardon me and that's where they run into the drifter and he's the, like I'm sorry the drifter not Jack Nance not Jack Nance doesn't look a thing like Jack Nance doesn't sound like Jack Nance is in no way Jack Nance other than they're both white middle-aged guys but it is the not Jack Nance it's character. a yeah, much like every character in this movie is not Jack Nance, yes. So we run back into Jack to not Jack Nance, and he is, and he's, uh, you know, he's in a he's in a tuxedo now. Yes. And he's like, oh boys, you know, like I saw, I'm so glad you decided, like he's like to join you, up. Yeah, you, know, you think you dress up a little nicer because they're still in their like work boots and jeans. He's like, hey, they've already put money in your account. You know, next time you put on some nice. Yeah, clothes. But I, might have, might have, you must, you know, like you didn't have time to get a tux. Okay. And he says, have you seen it around? And he takes them on the tour. And like again, this is like like okay, like this is an easy way to get them to know everything. And he takes them on a tour, and they just walk around, and you learn like they're controlling. They've been controlling everything for a very long time. Um, you hear from a you, at one point they walk by a like 
transfer place like like this weird like teleportation room where they can blast off into the stars and there's a mention about arriving at andromeda which like i guess it's implied that they're from andromeda originally or something like that but um and he you know and he's talking about how like how great it is and they go by the cable station you see like the studio you know where they're broadcasting all the information to to enslave people and he's talking about how it's it's really going along great and you know how it's so the, the implication is like look it's so good. Like we might as well. We've been getting screwed our whole lives. Right. Might as well be the on the winning team for once. Right. And they are going to get him to help them get in to the station. Right. And the guards are like having none of it. And the guards are the actual ghouls. And they're like, "No, where's your papers?" And they bring out their papers by which they bring out their guns, their guns. and they and blow away the guards. Away. And he's like, "What are you doing?" And it's like, you know, like, "Oh no," you know, like, like basically they're like, you know, and there was a thing about they have to go to the roof to stop, right? To stop. They find the out that that's where the broadcast. That's where the broadcast that hypnotizes everyone comes from, right? And so they get into this, you know, like he escapes by teleporting away. They use a grenade to blow up and come into the studio. He, he, he being not Jack Nance. Yeah, not Jack. Yeah. Not, yeah, not at all Jack Nance, not, not even remotely Jack Nance, disappears. He disappears out of the movie. I don't think you ever see no, him No, we don't see him again. Um, but, like, you know, but he's, like, begging them, like, hey, you know, like, why are you doing this? Why don't we, like, like you know, like, we can't win. There's no winning. Yeah, yeah you know? they, they have taken over. Like, There's we no are, to, like, yeah. they are everywhere. There's none, like, no well one's fighting back. Them. We might as well just join them yeah, and succeed. Yeah, beat them, join them, right. You know? And but they they go in they they wreck up the broadcast they have to like put up a like you know technical difficulties thing because yeah. all the people are freaking out like the newscasters who are also ghouls are right. like diving down under you know the tables and they they basically end up going through a um they're running through the hallways trying to find Holly Thompson find Holly Thompson because she'll know, find her she'll be able to tell them where to go, where to go. and they, like there's a big like we can com- compress this yes, there's a bunch of gun there's a bunch of gunfights in the hallways they their guns never run out of ammo a la commando because this is an 80s movie no one ever reloads in an 80s they movie they finally get into the stairwell and when they're in the stairwell they run into Holly they run into Holly and you know she's in the, they're on their way up to the roof and she puts a he, wait, 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 let's, let's, like they run into Holly they she helps them for a while yeah. they they start heading for the roof and like they're right at the roof uh, the, the people are chasing them. They're all like they they they've been cornered. They're heading up, and um, he runs ahead. And the last you see, a, a, actually, a very quick cut, which is kind of cool. Of like he like um, Piper Frank, runs ahead. Uh, Piper runs ahead, and Frank's there, and you just see Holly whip a gun out and put it to the side of Frank's temple, and then there's a flash cut. There's yes. a cut with a flash in it. And it's obvious she has just surprised him and shot him in the head. Yes. Piper doesn't know this. Piper's up at the disc. He's looking at it. There's helicopters coming. There's guards like flying, yeah. you know, like running up the stairs. And he has just the last second to blow up this disc. And he's like, Holly, Ho- Holly, Frank, hurry up here. Holly shows up and he's like, we got to blow this up. And Holly puts a gun at him. And he's like, oh. And she's like, give it up, Frank. Give it up. We can't win. Not Frank. Not Frank. Give it up. And she Whatever know his, his name, name is. Give it up, not it's not a, but yeah. like she doesn't say it. Give it up. We Piper. can't put the gun down. Let's just go. Let's go downstairs. We don't have to do this. You know, they 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 have an, there's all these SWAT teams aiming aiming guns at him. There's no hope. Yeah. And he and he he drops his gun and he has his hands on his kind of on, on his stomach and you see him sliding. They do a close up of his hands. He's sliding out a pistol. Right. He out shoots his, her out of his sleeve. Out of his sleeve. He shoots her quickly. Turns. And he's like, fuck it, you know, kind of shoots the, the, shoots the thing, it blows up. Yeah. He get, you see him get gunned down immediately, and he's, he's laying on the ground with the helicopters flying. You see him give them the bird and as he dies, and there's this huge explosion. And, you know, the it next fades, thing you see, and, and it fades out of him. And then the next thing you see is, 
like people all over the world watching TV and suddenly the TVs, like the messages appear on the TV, the obeys and the sleeps and the, and the newscasters will all look like skeleton people, like the ghouls, like that you can just see them. And it's like they've, they've taken away well, they, the, 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 the broadcaster that hypnotizes everyone yeah. is gone. And the last scene you see in the movie is such a great moment. Everyone's in a bar and this guy's sitting there and he's a ghoul and he looks around like, what? It's not, it's not, that's not the last scene in the movie it isn't the very last scene in the movie is all of a sudden you get this woman who's having obviously having sex she's sitting oh yeah no 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 i'm sorry she's totally topless because why why do we why have a john carpenter movie where we don't have gratuitous tits hanging out were there tits were there tits in uh in 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 big trouble little china i don't don't think there were anyway she's on top yeah like it's like well it's another it's another side uh like in common with commando aside from the never reloading and the annoying woman being picked up in a in a carjacking Is like this woman just having sex with her boobs out. I forgot about that. And then you look down, and the guy's like, "What?" And she looks down and looks at him, and she. Oh yeah, and it's the guy. Yeah, he's a ghoul, and he's like, "What's the matter, baby?" And like, and that's. And then that's the credits, you know. And it's like, I mean, it's it's a movie that kind of like again, like the ending is dark for the main character, but he did sacrifice himself to save the world. And it it, was not. I thought it was kind of funny. And that is, and and that's the end of the movie. And that 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 is they live. Hey John, was it worth revisiting? Well, here's where here's where I think we're going to be surprised to learn that no, it, you know, of course it was worth revisiting. Yes, I will list the problems with this movie right up front. Not a great script, not great acting. There's no real depth of the character. It meanders. The pacing's like weird, but it is it it gets by on so much bravado for me. The the terrible lines were like I I'm coming at it knowing it's kind of intentionally shoddily be made. And the message behind it is so weird and timeless. It's so weird that you can watch They Live Now and kind of still feel for it because it is, in its original form, it's such a savage satire of the Reagan 80s in much the same way, again, as Repo Man, which also has similar problems of ridiculously bad acting in many parts, (laughs) you know, having a lot of non-actors in the movie. Um, But, you know, it's... I think it's a delight. I think I, 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 Piper's a terrible actor, but it's a lot of fun to watch him like being all crazy. I love that fight scene. I adore like legitimately, and I think you will agree with me, the scene where he actually first puts on the glasses and walks around is one of the most striking moments in like, mo- in, in like modern sci-fi film over the last 50 years. You know, like it's such a, like it's, it's definitely something that's been used time and again. I know it's a cult favorite for a reason. Like, yes, it's not a mainstream favorite also for a reason, you know. And I agree with, I guess, uh, the great Jonathan Lethem, author of Fortress of Solitude, who apparently wrote, like, a huge essay for this book that I now want to read because it's at our local library, um, exclaiming how important this movie was to him. And I, I agree. I think it's a great movie. I, I, I admit it's flawed, but I think it's still great. I would give it, like, if I was going to give it a star rating, I would say it's a three-and-a-half star movie based on bravado. Okay. And Allie, was it worth watching? Okay, here's my feeling about this. <laughs> I could have watched clips of this movie. And by clips, I mean I could have, if somebody would have like set me up like with a, with a Star Wars scroll of like a dude shows up to L.A. He's looking for work. He meets Frank on the construction site where he gets some work. He learns that there's, you know, this guy, you know, if you could have scrolled the information to me. And then and, get to the scene with the glasses. And then the, just the get glasses. to the scene with the glasses. And then you skip ahead to the fight scene because you got to watch the whole fight scene to really understand the movie. 
I'm sorry, is this my point of talking or yours? I, I figured I'd take over for you because you're so insanely wrong about this movie. <laughs> if I could have seen that, the whole, the, the political piece of it. Now, I also need, the thing I haven't talked about here that bothers me is that I feel like it's a tiny bit of a cop-out that it's aliens coming to the planet a little bit. I think it would have been so much more effective if it was these humans that are actually turning into these ghouls because of the consumerism, because of this. I, I have a problem with it because mm, I feel like... Now i got to come back in when you're done because I, I, I disagree my issue, with this. My issue is that it feels too easy. Now, I will say that I did like the piece of the recruiting the, the humans. I think that's a cool thing because I think that, you know, it's not just that the humans are against the aliens. It's not like all humans are banding mm -hmm. together against the aliens. It is the idea that they are walking among us we don't know right. and they're helping to keep us hypnotized and asleep. I get that. And that part I didn't mind about it. But I don't know, something about it just felt a little too easy in that. But again, I'm willing to overlook that piece. And I'm willing, I, to, good, good. I'm willing I'm, to overlook that piece. Because again, I like the political statement. I like what it's saying. I like the idea that we have a character that actually has believed for his whole life that if you work hard, you're going to get yours. I do appreciate that that we keep talking about that. That there is no that that we look at it, it as the American dream and that whole idea. And yet we're being like you know lied to pretty much mm -hmm. the whole time. I get I get all that. I like all that. I could have watched a 15 minute version of this movie and probably would have really appreciated. The, ex the experience of it so much more than sitting through this whole fucking movie. Okay. I, I need to go back because I think the the trick here with why it works with the aliens being this way is because this is this movie is way more of like a like a fable or a parable in a lot of ways than like something that like is like this is a like a detailed literal movie with a very like like this movie doesn't have a like world building in this movie. Like you, like it's it's very vague. Like they're aliens from Andromeda or something, and they've come down and they've been here for some amount of time, and they do this and that, right. and it's capitalism. Is because this is a whole like symbolic thing of capitalism, and like especially the gross consumerism version of capitalism, like that has like evolved over the last like you know fifty years or so. Like I think the idea that the aliens are out there is the because the idea of this is it is so against human nature and so inhuman to be this way is the parable of this that it is basically we have been invaded by a, a parasitic ideology that is destroying the human race and some humans are joining it and becoming willing participants in their own society's Demise. destruction i get it and like again if you look at it from a detailed thing it does remove the agency of humanity if you're talking from a real historical analysis of the yeah. roots of capitalism but if you take it from the idea of like this movie's like presenting like a stark view of like how dehumanizing and wrong basically the Reagan 80s were mm -hmm. and how like it's you know like this under the neon like day glow colors of everything was this stark evil that was manipulating people then I think that is the point of the movie and I think you, you like judging the movie by what I think its own terms are which is I think it is designed to be a propaganda film and designed to be more like a fairy tale than a true literal analysis of the world and an analysis of the origins of capitalism and the origins of, of human misery, then I think it works that way. Okay. Like I, I see your point and I do think in reality, if like, like in the real world we want to look at someone like Jeff Bezos and say, no, this guy is just a fucking sleazeball yes. who is making billions like screwing over the poor. Yes. 
You know, and there's no reason to, like, imagine aliens brought this and beamed that into his brain. Right. In reality. But for the sake of showing a didactic movie about the evils and perils of consumer capitalism. I get it. And the way the, the way it destroys the environment, the way it, like, destroys, like, it, the way it is counter to humanity's, like, survival. But as long as you get yours, you're okay, mm-hmm. like, a la The Drifter. Right. I think it works perfectly. Okay. And that is my, that would be my dispute, that cool. my defense of it. So before we launch into giving you, you know, the whole fun way of you can get in touch with us and talk to us and whatever... Um, one of the ways that one of our awesome listeners uh, got in touch with us is via Twitter. Um, yes, and um, I want to because I I had made the statement that no one's got like I, no one's going to actually tell me what piece of music I'm trying to remember the name of. And that was in Lucas, our last episode. But Ryan, but Ryanologist at Ryan, no, is it yeah, yeah, at, at, at Ryanologist? Yeah, Ryan. Um, uh, uh, wrote to us and told us that it was The Wall to the Flowers. It's a Tchaikovsky piece. And I super appreciate that you did that. Thank you so much. Because and here's two reasons why. <laughs> but let me tell you. But, but let me tell you why. Number one, because I said, tweet us if you mm-hmm. get this. John was Mr. Cynical jerk off and said, you know, nobody's going to tweet us because nobody's going to care or whatever. And then you went ahead and did it. And it was just a wonderful moment of right. like, and, ha ha, in your face, in your face. And Ryan, by the way, also, um, I don't know that they're even still around anymore, uh, but Ryan was uh, one of the uh, the two people behind Radio Free Valverde, which I mentioned years oh, yeah, ago, yeah. Uh, like when we first started in the Commando episode, how they had done Commando already. And I will say this, they did They Live as well, and I never listened to it because I didn't want to accidentally steal their stuff. Oh, cool. And okay. what's funny is I, I was going to listen to it once we finally did, and They Live has been on the back burner for me forever. I keep I kept moving it and like getting other things replaced. But John Carpenter just turned 70, and in a hilarious twist of events, I think it was Rotten Tomatoes, an, a, a announced like John Carpenter would have been 70 today and blah, 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 and like treated him like he was dead. John Carpenter is very much alive. Yeah. And it was just kind of funny. And that made me go, okay, let's do They Live real quickly. Because one, it is so applicable to what's going on in our current society. Oh my God, yeah. And, you know, to, you know, John Carpenter's birthday. But I feel really bad because, again, I never listened to the They Live episode and now I can't find it anywhere. They, I think they know they don't, they, they didn't pay their hosting or whatever. I don't know, but I, I like, I, like, I can't find Radio Free Valverde anymore and it does, if and I never listened to that episode. If it exists, I would love to hear it just because I'd love to hear yeah. what they said about it again. Yeah. And um, they, I, I, I'm going to tell you right now, they're probably agreeing with me. I'm sure they are, honey. I'm sure that that personally I have a real issue with this for so many other reasons. I understand it's a cult favorite. I understand that I am, you know, not the norm. Right. But I also understand that it's cool that I have a fucking different opinion than you. Oh, you're allowed to have a different opinion <laughs> than me about everything except the fight, which is so awesome. Uh, I love that uh, fight. If it had been earned, I would have been all over that fight. And anyway, uh... uh and if we have earned any contact from you, oh you can God. find us. Um, we we have a website, matchmadeinspace.com. We did actually pay the hosting fee yeah, somehow. That is hosted. Somehow. You can, you can con- if you want to give a, maybe a long form essay a la Jonathan Lethem about how great uh, They Live is that I will make Allie read every word of, maybe aloud, uh, on a bonus episode, then you can send it to matchmadeinspace at gmail.com. Oh, my God. Um, and you could find us on Twitter at podcast. You uh, also can find Allie on Twitter at A-L-I underscore Goodman. And you can find me on Twitter at Hitler Puncher. And uh, that's about it. Yeah, I don't think we have anything else really to to wrap up here. So, so all right. This is a Match Made in Space signing off. Adios. Put on the sunglasses.
Okay, stop the presses. John here. Um, sorry about uh, interrupting our theme song again, but I made a mistake. Uh, looks like you can actually find Radio Free Valverde if you look hard enough for it. Um, and I felt really bad about saying they didn't exist. You can go to Stitcher.com and use the Stitcher app and you can still find them. And yes, their They Live episode still does exist and I'm about to listen to it. That's it. Again, uh, adios. Obey. Obey. Obey.